and welcome into Hoopsville, everybody. Hope you are enjoying the time of season. It is win or go home in Division Three basketball. Conference playoff version. It is exciting to say the least. We have a lot on tap tonight, including a lot of headlines to get to and a lot of coaches to talk to. Let's get to the particulars, of course. You can always interact with us. Tweet us at D3Hoops or hashtag Hoopsville. Email us, hoopsville at d3hoops.com. Join us on Facebook at facebook.com slash hoopsville. That's how you interact with us. That's how we hope to hear from you. If you have questions for our guests, if you have questions for us, we will try and answer those questions as best we can throughout the next two and a half plus hours on a supersized edition of a winner go home Hoopsville edition here of the show. Um, at least two and a half hours, probably closer to three hours tonight here on the show. We certainly appreciate everybody who joins us and takes in the show. Uh, if you, again, uh, questions, hoopsville at d3hoops.com is your email address, hashtag hoopsville and Twitter account at d3hoopsville or on Facebook at facebook.com slash hoopsville. Uh, let's talk about our guests first and foremost. We will uh, have a wide selection. We will start off uh, in the Mid-Atlantic region in women's basketball with Muhlenberg. We'll then talk to Wisconsin Superior Women's Basketball uh, as well. Illinois Wesleyan Men's Basketball, number 23-ranked Penn State Barron Men's Basketball. Center Men's Basketball, followed by St. Lawrence Women's Basketball and Whitman Basketball. That is the show in its order um, for tonight. Of course, we'll uh, be on the air supersized tonight. We'll be on the air supersized on Sunday as well, as we will be uh, tackling, as it were, the um, the lovely <laughs> craziness that is Division Three basketball. Um, and we will keep track of games that are going on tonight. But Sunday, big show, and obviously other things. We'll get to some of those details. Let's look at some of the hot headlines, too, by the way. Already the coaching carousel is a spinning. Um, we are just into the conference tournament and things are already getting going. If you don't remember, back in November, Charlie Titus announced at Mass Boston that he was going to be retiring. Kind of been quiet since then. Well, good friend of the show and a friend of mine has announced that Brad Nadborn has resigned as the head coach at Manchester. Um, Nadborn will stay on to teach the rest of the season. Not sure if he will look for another coaching opportunity or not. The job is opened at Manchester. At Moravian, another friend of mine, since I know him from Landmark Play, Jim Walker has announced he will retire after 35 head coaching years at the Greyhounds, 36 total in college basketball. I reached out and called him to see how he was doing, and he basically said he's not necessarily done with college basketball. He's just retiring from the Division Three head coaching ranks. How that will play out, we will, we will see. But Jim Walker retiring. And Moravian, and then just today, Coach Adrian, Todd, uh, not Adrian, am I, am I right about that? I apologize. Hold on. Let me call that one up first before I jump off the wrong bridge. Uh, but we just saw this one at Otterbein. The head coach at Otterbein has left. Todd Adrian, I am correct about that. Todd Adrian has left. Uh, it was rumored on a website, um, and we weren't sure about it. And then you go to their website, and TBA is currently the head coach for Otterbein. So I'm going to go out on a limb and say uh, Todd Adrian is done at Otterbein. Of course, they had a 3-22 and season this year. And so changes 
um, have already taken place there. I also know I've heard plenty of other coaching rumors, as you always do this time of year. You can keep up with the coaching carousel at d3hoops.com. That is where you can have all the fun if you want to on that topic. Of course, it's not fun for the coaches, and it's not fun for Division Three. I want to thank all those coaches for their services to their schools. Of course, uh, playoffs are already underway. Uh, we will keep track of things. Uh, Randolph making the number one team in the country. As always, starts off the conference tournament in uh, Salem Civic Center a little rough. They at least won uh, beating Randolph. It was a game of Randolph's. Randolph versus Randolph-Macon. Um, and uh, was watched uh, most of that game, and almost status quo, as it were. Um, but so far, uh, a couple other upsets, for example, a huge three-pointer at the buzzer for the University of New England to defeat Nichols, ending Nichols' hope of making the NCAA tournament. I just don't see them getting an at-large bid. Don't think that has any pool C implications at this point in time. Uh, today also got uh, the American Southwest Conference tournament underway. Um, Concordia, Texas, I believe, beat Louisiana College, and Hardin-Simmons beat Texas Dallas. I just saw a tweet about the Mary Hardin-Baylor game. NECA Jones, last second three-pointer, and this is the women's side, record-breaking 218th. This was this earlier today, sends... Um, Louisiana College and Mary Harden-Baylor to overtime. Uh, we'll double-check that game. I thought that was the men's game. Other games are underway. We'll check those out as well. Capital Athletic Conference, Christopher Newport, St. Mary's uh, starting off. And Mary Washington Salisbury will start here in, in about an hour. Centennial Conference is tomorrow. Other games today, um, Commonwealth Conference on the men's side. We'll keep an eye on that. We'll also keep an eye on, uh, by the way, Commonwealth Conference yesterday, number one team, Lycoming, losing. So it'll be an, a rematch of last year's title game in the Commonwealth. It'll be Alvernia versus Stevenson at Stevenson, as it was last year. You might remember Alvernia won on a buzzer beater to get into the NCAA tournament. They caught fire late last season. They have caught fire again late this season. Mike Miller's got his squad rolling pretty nicely right now. I don't think anybody wants to see Alvernia. Lycoming certainly didn't. We're down 20-2 to two to start the game and, and never got it much closer. Uh, Stevenson, on the other hand, finally started playing some good basketball. I was on hand for that. And uh, they will host that game. Stevenson missed out on the NCAA tournament last year because of that loss. Not because of that loss, but that loss certainly didn't get them in. On the flip side, on the women's side, congratulations to the Stevenson women's basketball team making their first ever conference championship game, avenging their loss to Lebanon Valley. Other games in the men, um, let's see, uh, yesterday, Delaware Valley and Misericordia got through their Freedom Conference games, and so those two teams will face off for the championship coming up on Saturday. Games starting today, uh, Iowa Intercollegiate Athletics Conference, we got Buena Vista hosting Wartburg and co-vote hosting Dubuque. We'll keep eyes on those. Yesterday, in, or two days, yeah, yesterday in Landmark Conference play, Scranton and Catholic easily moved on, and they will play each other. For a conference championship game, of course, Scranton trying to also fight to make an at-large bid possible for them. Liberty League, Clarkson upset Hobart. I don't think it was a huge upset. They will take on Skidmore in the conference championship. We could go through this forever and ever. Uh, we'll try and keep an eye on just what's going on tonight, maybe. Uh, for example, we also have games in the MassCAC. Uh, the MassCAC will see Salem State at Westfield State, Fitchburg State at Bridgewater State. 
The MIAA is underway. Hope and Trine um, tipping off, and Alma and Calvin will tip off shortly. Of course, uh, Hope on the road and uh, will be on the road the rest of the tournament, I believe. Um, trying to check out any other games just tonight, and obviously a lot of you probably are aware of them, but we certainly enjoy that you've tuned into our show. We certainly appreciate the time. Talk to a lot of coaches who will be uh, playing games today and tonight. For example, um, big game coming up. We have Whitman on the show. Well, they will be tipping off here tonight as well. So that game coming up tonight for Whitman. Um, also, Ohio uh, Athletics Conference has games tonight. Baldwin-Wallace at Marietta. Mount Union at John Carroll. That Mount Union-John Carroll game could decide who gets an at-large bid. The loser might be on the way out. Uh, and probably won't be able to go in. Mention the ODAC, Randolph-Macon, and eventually won over Randolph by by nine. Eastern Mennonite and Lynchburg had a thriller with Eastern Mennonite winning 65-62. Currently, Virginia Wesleyan and Washington Lee are playing um, about midway through the second half, and Virginia Wesleyan in control right now, leading by 23. Uh, Guilford and Hamden-Sydney to come. Uh, PAC will play tonight. Thomas Moore at St. Vincent, Bethany at Waynesburg. I don't know why I'm repeating all these, but we certainly will keep track of all these games. WIAC also playing basketball tonight. We'll keep a track of those as well. You got conference, if you've got questions for us, don't forget, tweet us at D3Hoopsville or hashtag Hoopsville. Email us, Hoopsville at D3Hoops.com or join us on Facebook at Facebook.com slash Hoopsville. If you just joined the show, let me remind you of our guests coming up. We'll talk to Muhlenberg Women's Basketball along with Superior, Wisconsin Superior Women's Basketball. We'll then jump on the men's side, talk to Illinois Wesleyan, number 23 ranked Penn State Baron and Center. Then we'll go back to women's basketball against St. Lawrence and then back um, to uh, Whitman in men's basketball. That is our show tonight, supersized. We'll go probably three hours by the time we uh, mention or ask questions, or let me say try that again. Answer your questions at the end of the show, as we always do. Of course, we can answer your questions between now and then. Um, so feel free to, to fire away at us. We'll do our best to answer your questions uh, as well. Lots of excitement uh, this time of year. This is what we all enjoy the most, certainly, and we look forward to... Uh, um, this time of year, but it's it's winter go home, especially in men's side. There are there are just going to be so many good teams who need to to lay down one last set of data points for strength of schedule, wins versus regionally ranked opponents, or results versus win regionally ranked opponents. Increase their their uh, um, win law or increase their um, win loss percentage if they can. So teams certainly trying to make a play, as it were, and do their best. In those categories, um, and we'll and and so tonight there could be we haven't had a lot of upsets yet, uh, and really any upsets that we've had haven't I don't think we've had any, but if we've had any, they haven't upset the apple cart as it were. For example, if Randolph Macon had lost today against Randolph, that doesn't necessarily equate to a bubble bubble burst, because Virginia Wesleyan still in play. They're probably both getting the ODAC bids. For the at-large. Now, if Virginia Wesleyan got upset as well as Randolph-Macon, or if Randolph-Macon got upset today and Virginia Wesleyan didn't win the AQ, then a bubble could burst. Do you understand? So just because a loss doesn't necess necessitate that if another team is probably alive. Um, that being said, there are teams tonight who are uh, who are playing that certainly would burst a bubble. A great example would be the Wyke, by the way, back to the ODAC example. If Stevens Point and Whitewater were to both lose tonight, 
then we have a bubble burst because both those teams are getting in. But if one of them loses and the other one's still at play for the AQ, doesn't bust a, bur a bubble. Does that make sense? So that's how we're keeping track of all this, and we hope uh, if you have any questions, you will ask them to us. Hoopsville at d3hoops.com. Email us, hoopsville at uh, d3hoops.com. Twitter us at d3hoopsville or hashtag hoopsville. And, of course, on Facebook at facebook.com slash hoopsville. Um, lots to cover, as we said, and lots of guests. By the way, let's talk about Sunday. Sunday, 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 and along with Monday. So Sunday... We're going to hit the air at 6 o'clock Eastern time with Hoopsville. Now, in the past, we have tended to have um, a, a very interview-driven show. Um, Jay, I see your question. Hold on tight. A very interview-driven show. And then last year, at the last minute, we did a women's bracketology. It was well after midnight East Coast. We were on the air for three, four hours. Had lots of people listening, by the way, which was pretty darn impressive. But it killed Pat and I. Uh, it just exhausted us. Uh, and for varying reasons that we'll uh, be talking about in the future, on Monday we need to be our very best, obviously. So here's what we're going to do on Sunday. We're going to still have a few interviews, but not as many as we maybe normally do. We'll maybe talk to a surprise AQ team. Um, we might reach out to a couple of our regional reporters just to get a take on things or anybody who may have been at certain games. But what we're going to turn Sunday's show into is kind of a bracketology show. We're not going to necessarily bracket teams, but we will do men's and women's at large bids. Let's call it a draft, for lack of a better description. Now, Pat and I aren't going to be picking teams like as a draft, but we will pretend we're in the war room and pretend we're trying to pick the men's and women's at large teams uh, in Division Three basketball. We may talk a little bit about bracketology at the end of each uh, once we have our teams in, but we're not going to go and bracket. Uh, it's just too difficult to bracket in Division Three. Uh, not to mention the fact uh, it's a little bit um, challenging to consider every single possible scenario in place. And to be honest with you, I think we kind of bracket on a pipe dream scenario and don't bracket on a re uh, well, and it's hard to bracket on a reality because again, so many options are out there. So again, from my our vantage point, we will start at six o'clock. We will do a bit of a uh, at-large selections while intermix, uh, intermixing some um, interviews as well, uh, especially with maybe any surprise AQ guests. That's Sunday at 6. Then on Monday, brackets are announced. I believe it's 12.30 for the men. Um, I'm pretty sure it's 12.30 for the men. I believe it's 2 o'clock for the women. We'll double-check those times with the NCAA. Um, but then we will be on the air approximately 3 o'clock or so with our Hoopsville special, which will include the interviews with both regional um, or both national committee chairs. Should also point out um, that you can catch up with their interviews from our Hoopsville Marathon back in uh, January, but we'll link those out throughout the next few days as well. Jay Murray writes, To avoid problems of men's and women's priority of hosting NCAA tournament games, why can't schools host both men's and women's games? Quite simple, Jay. That is eight teams to play four games in one day, and that's just not going to happen, mainly because a lot of schools don't have that enough locker rooms to pull it off. Um, they, they also don't want to take away from the experience. And so if you're going to turn to the women's tournament and say, guess what? You're starting at one o'clock. Your second game is going to be at, at 2.15, 2.30. The men will start at five with the last game starting at 7.15, 7.30. Okay. Now we flip that around, but now the men will go first in, in even years, let's say. Is it really fair to start the NCAA tournament on Friday at one o'clock in the afternoon? It's not. 
And so they're not going to have it that way. Um, and so the fairest way to do it is to determine, okay, X teams will, or X gender will play on even years, will have priority on the first weekend, and then the other gender gets the second weekend, and vice versa. So this year the women have priority the first weekend. If two schools still are in play, St. Thomas would be an example of that, uh, then they will be, uh, the men will have priority the second weekend. But they're just not going to do it where they take away from the experience because there's just too many teams at the same place at the same time to play games. It's just not fair. Um, and I'm, I'm, I'm absolutely agree with that point. I don't want to see NCAA tournament games starting at one o'clock on a Friday because we got four games to get in. By the way, let's talk about the logistics. You have, you have uh, eight teams that need to practice. You have eight teams that need to have a shoot-around. You're not going to have all those eight teams shoot around on game day in a different arena necessarily. That's not fair to them either. Um, the locker rooms are a key. Hotels are certainly an option. Some of these smaller towns may not have enough lock or hotels. Locker rooms, again, go back to that point. I think that is huge. I think that's a major factor. Um, I can only think of a few schools. I happen to work for work with one of them that that has enough locker rooms to pull it off. But let's it's not it's not average. I mean, how many Division three schools do we know have um, have you know teams in the locker in the fall, then they leave and a, and a spring team takes over or a fall team takes over. Um, it's very rare that every team gets its own locker room. So it's just not going to happen. Uh, it's not fair to anybody. Uh, and that's that's I guess that's status quo as it were. and I, I'm fine with that. I hope that answers your question, Jay. If you have more questions, please feel free to tweet us at D3Hoops or hashtag Hoopsville. Email us Hoopsville at D3Hoops.com. Join us on Facebook at Facebook.com slash Hoopsville. Going to uh, take a quick break. When we come back, we'll jump into some women's basketball action and talk to Muhlenberg women's basketball coach Ron Roan. He's coming up here on the show. Um, don't forget Hoopsville brought uh, Hoopsville presented by D3Hoops.com, the National Association of Basketball Coaches, and of course, viewers like you. We do have our Hoopsville fundraiser underway. We are 70% towards our current goal, but we're only 30% of the way towards what we raised last year. Any help you can provide us is certainly appreciative. Anything you do to help us will allow us to cover Division Three basketball the way it deserves to be covered. It will allow us to pay bills that this show accrues. It allows us to pay travel costs, et cetera, as we try to improve these shows. Uh, we'll be back. And Muhlenberg's women's basketball coach coming up. College basketball lives in Kansas City at the College Basketball Experience at Sprint Center. The College Basketball Experience is the place to get your game on. It's not a museum, it's an experience you won't forget. Discover the history of the game in the National Collegiate Basketball Hall of Fame, featuring the Gallery of Honor, Mentor's Circle, and Honor Theater. Suit up in the latest CBE logoed Nike gear at the CBE Hoop Shop. Elevate your game today and visit the house that college basketball built. We've got more schools than Division One, more fans than Division Two, and more upsets than March Madness. There's 800 programs with over 11,000 games leading to two national championships. And we've been covering it all for over a decade. From Eastern to Occidental, from Puget Sound to Piedmont, from Southwestern to the University of New England, and from Hope to Calvin. 
Nobody covers Division Three basketball like we do. We're D3Hoops.com at www.d3hoops.com. I know sports is important, but having the academic part along with it is a big plus. I've discovered in myself, you know, a, a newfound ability to overcome adversity at all different angles. At a Division three school, school is really shaped around you developing yourself as a complete individual. The end result, in my mind, is you just become a very well-rounded person. Before I came into college, I didn't really think I'd be able to balance so much. It helps a lot that you have a family with your team that can guide you. With a D3 school, there's a lot of time for other opportunities. The coaches expect a lot of you during soccer, but after soccer, that's your own personal time to really find out who you are and other opportunities that you can pursue. By balancing all of my interests, basketball, my leadership skills, and academics, I'm able to better prioritize my life and to manage it. And welcome back to Hoopsville, everybody. Hope you're enjoying the show. It is our Friday, or our Thursday. Jeez, trying to jump the gun there. February 26th edition. It is a super-sized edition. We will be on the air at least two more hours, if not probably two and a half more hours here on Hoopsville. We have plenty of guests to talk to. In fact, we have squeezed in seven. And I guess you can't say we squeezed them in if we're going long. But we got them in anyway. Uh, if you got questions for us, tweet us at D3Hoops or hashtag Hoopsville. Email us, hoopsville at D3Hoops.com, or join us on Facebook at Facebook.com slash Hoopsville. Um, certainly when regional rankings come out, that always begs the question, especially the last public ones, as to where people stand and how that's going to situate for them. Uh, in the Mid-Atlantic region, uh, one of the questions is who can get in as an, on an at-large team and who can't? I think the top three teams will get in no matter what happens this weekend. Salisbury, Scranton, and Stevenson. Apparently you need to have your name start with an S because I think the next two in line start with an M and they might be in a bit of trouble. That's McDaniel and Muhlenberg. Of course, the irony there is they could face each other in the Centennial Conference Championship to win the at-large or the IQ and leave the other one fending for an at-large. But they obviously have to get through some semifinals first. But we figured we'd go to the Hoopsville Skype for a change today and talk to one of those coaches sitting on the proverbial bubble. Since we talked to Becky Martin close to her 500th victory, we head out to see Ron Roan. Coach, welcome to Hoopsville, sir. Thank you, Dave. Good to see you again. Oh, I appreciate it. I got this chance to chat with you quickly when I was up at Muhlenberg. Missed your game, but was there for the men's and got a chance to see you. And first and foremost, I think um, you had you had put the hurting on uh, Johns Hopkins in that game. And that was kind of maybe, I don't want to call it the turning point, because at that point you guys were still playing pretty well. You would take a loss to McDaniel a couple games later. But that, I think, might have been the, the, the crux of the season. You only allowed Hopkins 31 points, beat him by 19, and it was a far cry from the beginning of the season. Uh, no question. I mean, we, we opened the season 3-5. and five. One of those losses was at Hopkins by 17. So you got two teams, us and Hopkins, playing tomorrow in the conference semifinals. Uh, a 19-point win, a 17-point win. So you figure tomorrow's game is going down to the final shot. But uh, that was the kind of game that sort of, I think, stamped on us, hey, this run we're on is real. It's not just a two-week hot spell during the season. Yeah, and that was the interesting thing. You, you talk about that start to the season. You talk about starting – uh, three losses in five games. I'm going to point out that you were three and five. Yeah. Uh, I know you did mention that because you then lost to DeSales. You had a loss to Moravian, 
beat Swarthmore, beat Albertus Magnus, lost to Scranton and Haverford, beat Dickinson, then lost to Hopkins, lost to DeSales, and then you guys had a game against Washington College and then had a break, and that break is what woke you guys up, and you had a big win over McDaniel, 74-67, and that might have been the most rewarding because it kept the ball rolling, as it were, after that long break. No question. Uh, not only were we three and five to open the season, we were really bad three and five. <laughs> I mean, we were losing the teams by 15, 25, shooting 22% for games. I mean, we were just not very good. Uh, we weren't just playing well as a team. And then we started putting it together. And you put that McDaniel game, they were undefeated coming into our place, right. and we, we beat them. Uh, the game that's also, I think, that was huge in that run was the very next game against Gettysburg. They were 10 and 0 at that time. So we'd be back-to-back undefeated teams in January, uh, and that made our team start believing. And, and our team has just played tremendous basketball ever since, uh, really the epitome of a group of young ladies playing as a team. Um, what was – is there anything you, – you started to talk about it there. Was there anything key to that – to the difference between the team you left uh, for the break on, on December 17th and the team that returned on January 7th? You know, you're now four and five, and now you guys have, a, have lost two games since then. Yeah, I and those two losses were McDaniel, obviously a great team, and uh, Stevens. We lost to Stevens uh, a week and a half ago, who's yeah. another regionally ranked team on the road, and we lost that game without our starting center, who had uh, the flu at that time. So uh, what I could tell you is we have six seniors who – kept working, kept playing hard, and sort of just put it together. You know, I, I sat down with my assistant, Katie Matan, over the Christmas break, and we talked about each individual player. And we went down the list, and every single player, it's like, you know, she's not playing that bad. She's not playing that bad. It was that our team just wasn't clicking. We weren't meshing. And uh, since we came back, we've really put it together. And I think this team, we've had some very talented teams at Muhlenberg, obviously. Yes, you have. But the, the way this team has played together over the past six weeks has been better, I think, than any group we've ever had. You guys kind of disappeared off the radar for just a little bit. I mean, this was a team that won 19, 20 games for six straight seasons, um, finishing in 2012. Then you guys were 17 and 9 the next year, 16 and 10 last year. Uh, certainly in play in the conference because you were 12 and 6, but it weren't much of the conversational part of it uh, outside of maybe the conference. You guys have roared back, and the second half of the season has been that roar back. McDaniel at one point looked like they were going to be the only talk of this conference and walk away with it. Now you're in second place. You're regionally ranked. You're one and one against McDaniel. Things have dramatically changed. Uh, you know, no question about it. You know, again, I go back to those six seniors who were freshmen on that 2012 team that won the conference championship that was 30 seconds really away from beating Mount Union to go to the Sweet 16 their freshman year. Uh, and and they, they know what it feels like. So yeah. they really put it together. We came back from Christmas. We really put it on those six seniors. Hey, you know, this is your team. We're gonna, you, you have to take us to where we want to go. And uh, I can't say enough about their leadership, the way they played together, their, their talent. Uh, it's one of those things when you watch game film, you're always very critical. And in the past six weeks, watching games, game film on our team, it's been just a joy. It's fun. You're just watching it, and you're enjoying really great basketball. So you go rolling through a conference, and let's be honest, this conference isn't the conference of – I hate saying the term yesteryear, but it's yeah. we're not that far removed from when this conference had four teams in the NCAA tournament and at least two or three were in the conversation 
to be in the NCAA tournament. We're at a point right now that it might only be one team this year, and it's really fallen off. The bottom hasn't really improved. The middle has kind of tailed off a little bit. What? And so you're going through this run, and maybe that's why you're staying under the radar too. But <laughs> what what has changed so much in the Centennial in such a quick period of time? Uh, you know, I really think the quality of basketball is still very good. It's very competitive. Uh, when you play an 18-game season, you sort of beat up on each other. Uh, but I really think the biggest thing missing uh, between now and, say, two or three years ago is uh, a little bit of the star power. You know, the, uh, the Barbush, the, uh, the Lindsey Burton, the Alex Chili, uh, that can raise a team from a top 50 team to a top 20 team. And that goes in cycles. You know, we may be looking at some players in the next three or four years in the conference that can do that for us again. Uh, the, the league is very solid, especially in the top half, uh, but maybe one player away from that top 10, top 20 ranking type of teams. You're sitting, we're talking to Ron Roan, head coach for Muhlenberg. You're sitting fifth in the regional rankings. You look at your data, you're 18 and 7, 1 and 3 versus regionally ranked opponents of 533 SOS. Certainly not bad if right. you're an at large team especially if the four teams ahead of you all get the AQ because you would be at large with McDaniel ahead of you and the other three get the AQ as well. You're sitting pretty sitting in first at the table if all the regional rankings had stayed the same. I don't know how much a loss would affect things there. Whereas McDaniel's 23-2, and 1-1 one one versus regionally ranked opponents. Granted, both of you would change that with games against each other should you play, but they got a 467 SOS. As an outsider looking in, it's almost better, I hate to tell you, to get two teams in if you let McDaniel win. I know you want to get the AQ, but from your vantage point, do you feel at all comfortable being an at-large team? Uh, never comfortable. <laughs> and uh, believe Figured. me, my stomach is not going to take uh, Selection Monday uh, <laughs> as an at-large team. Uh, I think I think we'll be in the mix. They'll talk about us. Uh We'll be at the table, as you said, sure. but we, we won't expect anything. Uh, you know, that, that comes into play. It changes, too. Don't forget, we beat Elizabethtown the yes. day they were regionally ranked when the first rankings come out. But now they're not regionally ranked, so that's not a regionally ranked win for us anymore. Right. Uh, I mean, I don't like that. They were regionally ranked when we beat them. We beat a regionally <laughs> ranked team. Uh, so, so those kind of data points come in that are sort of strange as well. Uh, I've been on those, the, the regional ranking committees. It's a very tough job. I think you're going to see probably on the selection committee having about 10 or 12 teams with sure. about four spots left, yeah. and there's not going to be a whole lot to pick between those teams. Yeah. So I'm not going to be comfortable, but I'm going to be interested enough to tune in and watch the brackets. Let's quickly talk about your game upcoming, then we'll talk about your team. Uh, looking at the game upcoming, you do have Hopkins. Yep. Again, you beat them rather uh, soundly, let's say, you, know, you only give up 31 points at your place. Mm -hmm. uh, of course, as you point out, they beat you kind of soundly at their place. Both of you are going to have to play, though, on a neutral court at McDaniel instead on Friday. I will be there, so I'll be watching you. Um, you did better the game you came you were at last time, so that makes me feel better. Remember, I didn't get to your game. You were, you were close I just, enough I to closed, You're right. I wasn't <laughs> that far away. My question to you is, what are the keys to this one? Because I have a gut feeling you're going to say that first game means nothing. You can't take anything from that. You can't take the game you saw back on January 24th and, and learn anything from that either. Yeah, I really don't think either of those games mean a lot. There was a month between the first game and the second game. There's a month between that second game and now. Uh, so much changes. 
Uh, I think for both of our teams, uh, they haven't been high scoring either of those games. So no. it comes down to making shots. Both teams are good defensively. Both teams tend to take away the other team's bigger weapons. Uh, at this time of the year so often, and I think the Centennial Tournament for all four teams right now uh, is a make-or-miss type tournament. The team that shows up and makes some shots is going to beat the team that misses some shots. I know that doesn't sound not much to talk about there on a, a radio show about whether you make shots or miss shots, but I think that's the way it's going to be. When you look at the Centennial format, you and I, before we hit the air here, you were talking about how this is the worst week of the year because you're just itching to play. Oh, yeah. Players don't want to – I'm not saying change the format wholeheartedly, but this is a weird one. Would you almost rather be the 4-5 teams and get a chance to play earlier in the week? Well, we were in the 4-5 game last year and we lost. so that, no, that Okay, so you don't want to go. <laughs> uh, no, I do believe that if you play in the 4-5 game, you have a big advantage going into the weekend with some momentum and not having any time off. On the other hand, if you lose the 4-5 game, it really eliminates any chance of you winning the tournament. No, you think? Yeah, thanks. Yeah. thanks I've man. never seen it done so far, so who knows? Maybe Amazing uh, <laughs> breakdown of a tournament there, sir. Thank yeah, you so much. I, you can tell, you know, that it's all coaching here. It's not the point. Oh, yeah. Stuff, so. uh, uh, <laughs> <laughs> hey, uh, listen, this is a, 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 a pretty good darn team. Uh, I'll just say it that way. Um, you've got a, a good core group of seniors. Uh, I'm quickly doing math. I want to say five. Six. Six, thank you. Um, it, it's one of those deals where you guys, it's just, that's the key, uh, for lack of a better description. When you look at um, this squad, we'll get into stats in a minute, yeah. but when you look at that sixth group of seniors, is this one of those where it's good that you're hot, it's good you're playing well because this was the season you had to take advantage of? I think so. Uh, this is one of those groups where uh, our individual talent is good, but that collection of talent, how they play together, has, has really made things click and really made things work. Where Not only is it a different player every night out who can step forward, but they're all, everybody's been willing to sacrifice part of their game for the team to be successful. Uh, you know, harking back, most of your listeners probably don't remember the Red Holtzman Knicks teams of the 70s. But uh, that's the kind of team this has been, a team that passes up that good shot to get a great shot, who will move the ball that one extra pass, set a good screen, uh, play together so well. And isn't it funny how that happens with seniors more often than it does freshmen and sophomores? Uh, yeah, uh, very good point. Um, listen, something else that jumps out at me um, is that you don't have necessarily – you have one go-to score, but then there's a bunch of others who are putting up points, just not in a large fashion. You, you, you It's kind of a weird stat sheet. Yeah. Uh, 18 and a half points, and forgive me, I hope I say her name right, Leanna Talami? Uh, Talame. 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 Wow, yeah. cool. That's She's, what I call her anyway, and her well, hopefully it's me. Yeah, hopefully it's right. Uh, 18 and a half points and a double-double with 11 rebounds a game. Um, but then it's a steep drop-off till Nicole Pepe? Yep. Nice, nine points a game. Seven points a game from Laura Gregory. Uh, Christina Santoni, six points a game. Then it's another steep drop-off before you get to Hannah Rush uh, at about three and a half points a game. And Granted, you're only scoring 68 points a game, but that's just a weird stat sheet to me. You know, it is, and if you, if you look deeper into the stat sheet, you'll see that every single one of those players had, has had at least one double-figure scoring game, sometimes two or three. So it's not, that's not what the stat sheet looks like every night. 
Uh, Leanna comes through with her 18 to 22 almost every night. But then Allure Gregory has 16 one game. The next game, Nicole Pepe has, has 18. Another game, a Janelle Fleet comes in with double figures. Or uh, uh, Abby Stanger come off the bench and nails three threes and scores 11 points. Uh, so that's why the stat sheet looks like that, because it's different people who step up. Because it's that kind of team that doesn't care who gets the credit, doesn't care who gets the points. Uh, they're gonna, the, the best shot is the person who's most open. That's the way our team has been playing. Another thing that jumps out of me is you've played 10 players in 23 or more games, 23 of your 25, yep. and you have played 14 of them in two-thirds of your game of your games or more. And it's not like you've had a lot of blowouts. You've had some close games. You're deep, deep, deep. Yeah, I mean, we think uh, we're three deep at every position. That was probably one of our problems early in the season. Uh, I was dumb enough as a coach to try to play too many players. <laughs> And uh, we didn't get in a very good rhythm. And when we sort of cut the rotation down to uh, 9 or 10, which is where we're at now, uh, we got in a better sync. We played better. Uh, people out on the court playing together longer. So that's been, that's been very important to us. But we pretty much sub by position. So we've got a starter and a backup at each spot. Uh, and that it just has worked really well for us so far this year. Talking to Ron Roan from Muhlenberg, appreciate him taking the time. Uh, we're going to wrap it up here in a minute, but coach, another th you know, again, six seniors on this team. You're going to have a bit of a loss there, obviously. Um, and we talk about playing for it now and yep. playing for this opportunity. I'm suspecting there's no need for um, um, uh, a rah-rah speech. I think they probably have this covered to some extent. However, what is the message to the team heading into the game against Hopkins? tomorrow night you know I mean the message has been the same message we've had all year one play at a time one game at a time uh, let's play the best we can on this play and the seniors have done that you know but with seniors you have an urgency they can count the number of games left in their careers and obviously that number has gotten very very tiny at this point uh, we try not to have too much pressure on them you know we don't talk about what the uh, results mean let's go play our best let's do our best and if we do that the results will come our way, and for 15 of the last 17 games, that's worked well for us. We're not going to change it now. Going to go to the Wayback Machine. Got a question on Twitter from Ron. Wants to know how you felt getting sent to Bowdoin in 2009 for the NCAA first round, 445 lovely miles away to gorgeous New England and the state of Maine. That has got to be one of our parents who had to drive behind the bus. No, it's um, not. If I Well, I don't think it is. Maybe not. Uh, I'll tell you, that was one of the all-time great experiences I've had in coaching. We went undefeated in the Centennial Conference. We were, I think, 24-25-2 going yeah. into the NCAA tournament. And our reward was a bus ride to Bowdoin, yeah. uh, who at that time had never lost a postseason game in their gym, yep. uh, NCAA or NESCAC. Uh, and we beat them by one point there, and we can now lay claim to the fact that we're the only team that's never lost a postseason game in Bowden's gym. That's well put, sir. See, this is why I like having you. Only on two and zero, but undefeated there. Yeah, well, that's all that matters, really. Yeah, to might, be honest. Hopefully, we're never going back because they're I, pretty good. I did notice when it said site uh, selection. There's a asterisk in the women's handbook. Bowden. Formally request Muhlenberg not show up. Well, I'll tell you, that would be fine with us. Yeah, I figured it, it, it would be. <laughs> Coach, uh, really quick, little fun note. Years ago on this show, we had you on because you were doing something different. Um, you wanted this. This is a program that had been struggling for a number of years. You wanted this team to have fun. 
you decided, uh, was it halfway through a season, I want to say? Maybe it was yeah. the beginning of the season. You decided, you know yeah. what? Forget it. We're going to have fun. We're going to break out the system. We're going to do it. And you, it started kind of getting some wins. You yeah. went about halfway through the next year with it, and then you realized you had a squad underneath. Yeah. How? T just give me a little bit of an ex about that experience. Well, the one thing that I find it's funny, because I'm still I – mean, Gary Smith used to be the head coach of Redlands. Yeah. And, uh, Dave Arson. I'm still on a web serve with those guys. That's <laughs> over 10 years ago, and people still want to talk about us running the Grinnell system more than the five championships we won in, in the past 10 years since. Jeez. Uh, because it is an interesting thing. It's a fun way to play. Uh, and we really went to it with the idea, listen, we're not going to be a national power. We might be able to win a championship, but let's play a lot of kids and have fun. And then about a year and a half into doing it, lo and behold, I started getting some players who could play at the national level, the Lauren Boyles, the Alex Chiles, the Kelly McKeons. Uh, so we sort of backed off because when you have players like that, you don't want them playing 18 minutes a game. And uh, we won a lot of games in that stretch. I think uh, five NCAA tournament bids in, in six years. Uh, and we sort of never gone back to it. Somewhere along the line, before I retire, and I'm not worried about getting fired anymore, <laughs> uh, maybe we'll go back and do that just for the fun of it. Oh, that'd be fun to watch. I'll it, come it, on. It was, and I'll tell you, and I learned a lot about basketball from that because it made you look at the game in a totally different way, sure. both in statistics and everything you do. And uh, some of the stuff we still do and what we do now has its roots in what we learned from that. It's, uh, it's, it's very interesting and a lot of fun. Well, I might take a trip up to Allentown if you break that thing back out. Let me know. I'll let you know ahead of time so you don't miss it. Thank you. I appreciate that. Well, hey, I appreciate you coming on the show. Always fun to chat with you. I always enjoy it. Uh, one quick final question. I did mean to ask you, how much does the fact that you're playing Hopkins on a neutral court change things? You know, I really don't know. What's weird for us is we're playing Hopkins in the semifinals. We faced them yeah. in eight championship games yeah. in the history of the league. This will only be the second time in the semifinals. Uh, I don't know neutral court means a whole lot. We didn't shoot well at their place. They didn't shoot it well at our place. If you're coming for the game, I hope one of us shoots well uh, so you don't see a 37-38 final. Uh, <laughs> but I, I think it's going to be a, a fight it, grounded out uh, kind of game because it always is with Hopkins. They're very well coached. They're very talented. They're very physical. And uh, anytime you can get a win over them, it's, it's definitely one you can hang your hat on. Yeah, you're absolutely right. Well, thanks so much for coming on. I always give the coach and guest the final word. Any final thoughts you want to share with those who are tuning in? Hey, one thing I'll share with you. I saw your tweet about your wife today. Yeah, yeah. Uh, let you know, today's my wife's birthday. And instead Whoa. of dinner, I'm on with you. So maybe I'll have her give your wife a call. I was going to say, my wife's going to pretty much not see me, even though I might be in the house the yeah. entire time. She's not going to probably see me till Tuesday. So, uh, so happy birthday to my wife, Barbara. There you go, sir. Well done on the final word. I appreciate it. Hey, sir, take care of yourself. Thanks so much again. Uh, and we'll look forward to chatting with you sometime down the road. Thank you very much. All right, take care. Ron Roan joining us here on the Hoopsville Skype line let's call it uh appreciate him taking the time we're going to take another break when we come back we'll jump out to the northern reaches of wisconsin talk wisconsin superior basketball then we'll jump into some men's basketball action still to come penn state baron center st lawrence women and whitman men that's all coming up on here on hoopsville if you've got questions for us tweet us at tweet us at d3 hoopsville hashtag hoopsville email us hoopsville at d3hoops.com join us on facebook at facebook.com slash hoopsville and of course don't forget about the Hoopsville fundraiser. Hoopsville, presented by D3Hoops.com, the National Association of Basketball Coaches. More Hoopsville right after this. Every season starts with hope and a dream to play for the ultimate title, to become NCAA national champions. And you can experience it live at the 2015 NCAA Division III Men's Basketball Championship. 
March 20th and 21st in Salem, Virginia. Hosted by the Old Dominion Athletic Conference and the City of Salem. Affordable tickets now available. Visit NCAA.com slash tickets today and make a date with champions. I did receive a non-athletic scholarship upon entering uh, school. I got the presidential scholarship, which was huge for me. I think there's more opportunities for academic scholarships in Division Three. I did receive academic scholarships. Just being involved on campus, being a leader, all those things combined kind of get me recognized. It's a great experience for me. College basketball lives in Kansas City at the College Basketball Experience at Sprint Center. The College Basketball Experience is the place to get your game on. It's not a museum, it's an experience you won't forget. Discover the history of the game in the National Collegiate Basketball Hall of Fame, featuring the Gallery of Honor, Mentor's Circle, and Honor Theater. Suit up in the latest CBE logoed Nike gear at the CBE Hoop Shop. Elevate your game today and visit the house that college basketball built. Welcome back to Hoopsville, everybody. Hope you're enjoying the show. We are counting down the days here to the end of the regular season, which obviously comes up here on Sunday. So teams are fighting for that automatic bid or at large opportunities to make the NCAA tournament. That is certainly the theme tonight. And normally we talk about on Thursdays the Eastman Atlantic, Great Lakes, and West regions. We're sprinkling in a few other teams as well, including the Central Region, which this segment will be about. Though it's a team, as you'll find out shortly, that is going from the Central to the west so maybe we're just hedging our bets if you have any questions for us tweet us at d3 hoopsville or hashtag hoopsville email us hoopsville at d3hoops.com join us on facebook at facebook.com hoopsville also don't forget about the hoopsville fundraising project we're in the closing days of that before the show about 70 percent of the way to our goal um that mark though uh is only about uh a third of what we raised last year anything you can do to help us cover division three the way it deserves to be covered, we certainly appreciate it. And we always say Hoopsville presented by D3Hoops.com and the National Association of Basketball Coaches, but it also is presented by those of you who are so kind to donate. Let's talk about, uh, we just got done talking about women's basketball in the uh, Mid-Atlantic region. And let's shift into the Central region and talk to a team who's having a pretty spectacular season uh, on their way out of the WIAC. So joining us on the Hoopsville Hotline is U Wisconsin Superior's head coach, Don Mulhern. Coach, welcome to Hoopsville. Well, thank you for having me. I'm excited to be on, the, be on here with you. Well, thank you so much for coming on. First and foremost, pretty terrific season, 18-7 and seven overall, 12-4 in the WIAC, uh, which resulted in a one-game lead at the end of the season over Oshkosh and Eau Claire. Uh, giving you guys the number one seed, and we'll talk more about it, but it's certainly bittersweet considering you guys are leaving the conference. But first and foremost, you won the conference going a regular season. You've got to be thrilled with that result, especially coming off of a 16-12, and 7-9 and campaign last year. Very excited about it. We, uh, you know, Our players have set the goals very high. You know, it's, I think it's something very special that the last year in the WIAC we could uh, win the conference championship and uh, – you know, anytime you can do that in a conference of this level, it's pretty darn special. Our players set the bar very high in the off season. They set some very high goals, and uh, they've worked hard to achieve them. I'm really proud of their level of work ethic and, I guess, off season sweat equity to be able to get to where we are right now. 
Okay. Started the season with a bit of a of a tough spot. Three straight losses to Carroll and St. Norbert and non-Division three Minnesota Duluth. Then you went on a, a nice tear there, winning, I think it was eight straight uh, to finish out the 2014 part of your schedule, including three conference wins over River Falls, Stevens Point, and Eau Claire. Oshkosh tripped you up. You got a couple wins. Then Platteville tripped you up. Then you went on a five-game winning streak, and Eau Claire returned the favor on you. You go on a three-game losing streak, and then Stevens Point returns the favor. Is that an indicative of an up-and-down season, or is that just indicative of just uh, how, ch- how challenging the conference was this year and how challenging your schedule was? Well, I think it's indicative of the level of the conference. I mean, our conference from top to bottom, it's unbelievable. And you know, really, the teams that have been toward the bottom, they've had a bunch of two or three point losses. I know that those teams feel that if you change a play here and a play there, it'd be, things would be a lot different. That really is the way it is. So it's a tribute to the coach in the conference of how competitive it is. And if you don't bring your A game, you bring your A minus or B plus game, you might get beat, especially on the road. And uh, I think we've had a very good year, but I think the other teams in the conference have had good years too. So it's been a fun, competitive year. It's interesting because I got this chance to see Plantville and Stevens Point out at the D3Hoops.com Classic in Las Vegas right after Christmas. And both teams had chances to maybe upset FDU Florham um, in those games. Uh, Both games somewhat came down to the end, and both teams had leads at some point that made it a threat. And now I look at them at 15-11, and and 14-12, and 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 8-8 in conference action. I thought they were pretty good. So by that reason of deduction, I think you're darn good. Are you darn good? <laughs> well, I will agree with you. Platteville and Stevens Point are darn good. And, you know, they played a real tough game last night. And uh, I think that that just goes to show that when you compare how they did against the teams like that and how well they did, that our conference is pretty darn good. And I, to be honest, I'm probably biased, but I think it's better than what people give us credit for. Well, what's also interesting is Oshkosh was on a tear at one point in the season, and then they just hit a tough spot. Um, finishing the season uh, with three straight losses before finally beating Whitewater in conference action last night. Um, otherwise, they may have been the first-place team. Is just this one of those where you guys beat each other up so much that sometimes you're just going to go through a stretch like that? Well, it absolutely is that. And if you happen to have two or three games in a row, it makes it that much tougher. Yeah. Um, but I, I think, again, you know, I think the White is as good as it's been. It's that it's a little bit more balanced, so if you have maybe a hot week or two, if you maybe have a kid who's injured or sick for a week or two, that can just shift that balance a little bit, and trying to stay healthy and all those things has been a big factor, Um, but I just give credit to the coaches. It's a fun conference, very competitive conference. You guys, uh, and we'll take on Stevens Point coming up here in the semifinals of the WIAC, and of course that game coming up on Friday night, of course, they just beat you 58-56 a week ago, or at least a week ago when you played. It'll be uh, the, on Saturday the 21st is when you guys last played. You, of course, hadn't played them since December 6th when you beat them 58-50. Um, is this one of those, that's the last team you wanted to see in the tournament? No, I, I wouldn't say that. I mean, I think that any of the teams that we could have played is a good challenge. And, uh you know, you play who you get. I think that they're very good. I think the other teams who we could have played are also very good. The bottom line comes down to how we play. If we come out and play well, we'll be in good shape. And it's about taking care of our own business, about playing good defense, executing an offense and those things. And I think you can get too wrapped up in who you're playing and not enough wrapped up in and doing what you do well. And that's been our goal here, and we're hopefully going to do that tomorrow night. I'm talking to Don Mulhern here, the head coach for University of Wisconsin Superior. 
uh, his team uh, sitting ninth in the regional rankings, Oshkosh sitting seventh. And, Coach, when I see numbers like that, I kind of start thinking this is a, a, a AQ-only type scenario for you guys. And while every coach will tell me, and I'm sure I'm going to hear every coach tonight, that winning the AQ is the priority, do you have your thoughts on on the chance of needing that at large and whether you can get it if you're in that position? Well, you know, that's one of those things where you have the variables about how they do the different uh, rankings after the season is done. And, uh, I mean, obviously the simplest and uh, probably creating my low blood pressure would be winning the AQ. <laughs> um, I do think, I mean, in the past, the WIAC has had two teams for most of the last years. I think that depending upon where things are at, I think it's deserving of that. But, again, I'm obviously biased toward that. <laughs> you know what I mean? That's just by definition how coaches think. Uh, but I think if you look at what you mentioned with, level of the competition you know teams that we've played outside we've played very well i think that it's deserving of two teams but you know i don't decide that hopefully that that that, that does happen though uh, we should point out the representative from the wyack is from platteville and of course you guys um uh, beat them uh, or split with them i should say they beat you uh, earlier in the season 82 77 you guys got them back 67 52 and that's what's the most amazing is just how many of those split games happened this season but how important is it that the conference tournament is basically coming through Mertz uh gym at your place it's a big deal i mean we you know we've undefeated at home this year and you know the fact is you play better at home i mean you eat your own food you sleep in your own bed your routine's the same you're not having to be on the bus and when games are three four five point games those things can make that difference so we're very confident at home. We've still got to go out there and play the game and obviously execute and those things. But I think it's a big deal. We're going to have great fan support. It's kind of been an exciting time on campus. So I think there's a lot of factors that go into play, and we're real, real happy to have the number one seed. Let's talk about your team just a little bit. Uh, you've got certainly a talented squad. You also have a, a lot of youth on this squad. You do have your certainly your senior leadership. If by my count, you've got four seniors. But you got a lot of juniors, or five seniors, I should say. You have a lot of juniors. You've got a, a sprinkling of sophomores as well. This, team, this season and this team certainly seems to have its depths. From the non-statistical point of view, how do you, how do you categorize your team? Well, we do have depth. I mean, we've got players at all the uh, grades, senior, junior, sophomore, and freshman, have all played well this year. You know, our senior group of special group in the sense that they've been with us. They came in when, you know, a program was moving up. It certainly wasn't where we wanted it to be. And I give them a lot of credit for sticking with it. You know, I think our younger players have really followed their lead well. We've kind of been a team that every game we've had some different players step up game to game. And I think one of the things we did well early in the year was we get a lot of players playing time. That experience early in the year pays off late in the year. So we have a lot of players that have experience and can step up, and I think that that's been a big key to our success. Um, it's a senior who's leading the way along with a sophomore as your two double-digit members. I hope I don't screw up their names. I apologize in advance. But Sally Lilsmeyer, uh, 17.1 points a game, 7.6 rebounds a game, shooting over 50% from the floor. She also was handed out an astonishing 122 assists this season. So not only a good shooting threat, but a good passing threat. And then Bryn Liljander, 
10.6 points a game. Uh, a threat from outside at 32%, also shoots 37%, um, and she's likely to, to hand it off as well. By the way, I should point out Sally has 68 steals. Again, hope I got the last names correct, but more importantly, there's that, that balance, you say, a senior and a sophomore who are your top stats, uh, stats getters. Well, Sally and Sally Lindsmeyer, she actually last year was player of the year in the conference yep. last year. She uh, led the conference in, in uh, pardon me, in scoring and rebounds, which is an amazing stat when you're about a 5'7 guard. Yeah. And having even a better year this year, she's, I, I, you know, again, coaches are biased for their players. Sure. I, as biased as they can be to her, I believe she's one of the best players in the nation. Um, she does everything, and she just makes everybody else better. You know, Bryn Lillianders, a sophomore freshman last year, has really stepped up her game, and we've needed her scoring punch and those sorts of things. So they've been a good combo. We've had others also. But Sally Lindsmeyer, you know, she's the one that's kind of the go-to, the heart and soul, and she's been everything we've hoped for and more. And the cool thing with Sally is great player, but even a better person to work with. Uh, we should point out Sally also an academic All-American yeah. for Coast Side. is certainly a nice honor. The WIAC Awards have not come out just yet. So we have those, the All-Regions, the All-Americas still to go. I have a feeling we're going to be talking about Sally uh, quite a bit. And, of course, she's one of those seniors. But you have 10 players who've played in 22 of 25 games this season. Uh, and that doesn't even count the ones who've played in 15 or more. You're willing to go deep on the bench. Who are some of the keys to this team that maybe aren't popping up on the stat column as as, as readily as Sally and Bryn do? Well, that's a good question, and you're noting that you know we go deep. We our depth wears people down. Alyssa Lindbergh um, has started really rolling here in the last couple games. She was hurt early in the year and had some issues with regard to her health, and she's now healthy, which is an amazing thing when you're healthy. But Alyssa's been just lights out. We've had some freshmen playing well, some sophomores. I think that our key is that. We've got a lot of different players that can do different things, and depending upon who we're playing and the style of game we're playing, we can go full court and press you. We can play defense in half court and lock down. We can push the ball. We can run half court offense. And every game is kind of a different style. We go into the games trying to see who's going to fit for this style in this game, and sometimes it takes the first 10 minutes or half to figure it out, but we've been pretty good at over the course of the game getting that group in there down the stretch to play well late in the game. Again, you lose a good chunk of seniors, but you certainly have some youth on this team, but they're going to have to get used to some differences as next year you guys transfer from the WIAC to the UMAC. I know that's a little bittersweet depending on how you look at it. I know there's some in the WIAC who are going to miss you. I know there's some in the WIAC who are not going to miss the travel. I have a feeling you may not miss some of the travel, but you'll miss your conference as you transition into a different conference. Well, you know, and you hit the nail on the head, bittersweet, in the sense that I mean, it's a very, 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 very good conference. And, you know, you have your rivalries. You have your coaching friends who you've learned to develop the trust, the respect of coaching against and competing but still enjoying their company. And on those things, you know, you don't – I mean, they matter to you. It's a coaching fraternity. And, you know, I have some coaches in this conference that I just have become so close to, so that part of it. You know, on the other hand, it's a very good decision from our school point of view. It's going to be geographically, schools a lot closer, a lot more kind of aligned to our size and those things. And uh, it was a, it's a good decision based upon the situation as it is. Um, you know, you, change is always difficult at times. I mean, you know that. Change is not always easy, but you've got to embrace it. We're focusing upon right now. And next year we'll focus upon next year and try to have the bar raised high then. So, yes, it's going to be a change and different, and hopefully it'll be positive for all the different people involved. 
Um, talking to Don Mulhern, head coach for University of Wisconsin Superior, again moving from the WIAC to the UMAC. Of course, you guys have had a few years to prepare. You're right, geographically it makes sense. That's why I think some of your WIAC counterparts won't miss the travel <laughs> necessarily. It is not easy to get up to Wisconsin Superior no matter what, especially in the middle of winter. Um, even if it's just cold out, it's just not fun. Um, how is it then even more kind of enjoyable that you got the regular season crown and maybe even put the uh, the cherry on top of the of the Sunday, as it were, to get the the conference title if you can win it here this weekend? Well, when you think about you know the distance and stuff, and obviously you know we go a long ways for a lot of games and a regular season conference title, that means you've got to do it throughout the whole year. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I was saying this to some players and stuff. I'm like, you guys need to feel a sense of pride because this is over a course of a whole season that you were able to, you know, maintain a level of excellence and do that. And that's just something can be never taken away. 20 years from now, they're going to come together and remember that. You know, the, the tournament, which is this week, it's going on now, is obviously a little different. It's kind of that high-intensity, high-emotion. And from our point of view, to be able to go from the, you know, the high of the one to the high of the other, we had a good practice. Uh, we're ready, I think, for a good game tomorrow. Uh, but you still got to bring it. But with the home crowd and home fans, we're excited to be able to again be at home and hopefully play well like what we have done all year at home. A couple more questions to ask you. One more about basketball. When you do talk about tomorrow's game, and you know Shirley Egner will come ready with her pointer squad, what are the keys that you guys need to, to jump on, act on, however you want to call it, that are going to get you ready for this game and get you a victory to move on to the championship at home? Well, I think a couple things. Number one is I think we just got to play our game. I mean, we're pretty good defensively, and if we get back, make a team run their offense, lock down, we're pretty effective. We've got to make sure we sprint back. We don't give up transition baskets and make them run their offense. I think secondly is play with confidence. You know, we had a good run late in the year last year, and uh, I think if we believe in ourselves, which we have, but I think we've got to play with confidence and kind of just get up and down and maybe not overthink so much. Sometimes at this point in the year, you know, with all the distractions, you can lose focus upon the task at hand. We've got to maintain focus and realize that we're playing a game that we love on our court and just go out and play like what we have in practice, and I think we'll be in pretty good shape. Uh, your resume is one of those that I've got to ask a couple questions on. First of all, should we have been calling you Dr. Mulhern this entire time? For those of you who do not know, you have overachieved in the classroom. Uh, you have a Ph.D. in kinesiology, easy for me to say. Uh, and an emphasis in sports psychology. I will say right now, if there's a head coach who has a, a master or a, a PhD in sports psychology, I almost pity his team. You have well, an unfair advantage. <laughs> well, I've always thought this, and I, I thank you. And to answer your question, you know, I, I have. I've been lucky enough to be encouraged to earn that. But you know, Coach and Don, I'm not a stuffy human being. I like just being called Coach or Don. Um, but, you know, I think the whole point about education is what you take, you apply in the classroom and, in the, and on the basketball court. And sports psychology, it's fun, it's interesting, I love it. But you know what, I need to say this. Most psychology comes down to common sense, human <laughs> nature, do good for others and work hard. And sure. I'm not trying to be coy. I'm trying to say that as a coach and as players, you know what, it's about being unselfish. It's about realizing it's not about me, it's about team. And if you're willing to sacrifice for yourself for the betterment of the others of the team, good stuff happens. I also, I also notice you have a lot of international background. Um, of course, you're from Minnesota. I've been coaching in the northern reaches of Wisconsin. You've gone to Australia, Germany, Paris, Peru, Barbados, etc. 
have you thought about just taking a quick little jaunt up to Canada? It's not that far away. <laughs> it's a beautiful country. And, uh, you know, when you talk about sports psychology, I've had fun taking those trips. And i got to tell you, when you bring people together from all over the world, you see different styles of basketball, but also the different kind of uh, personalities that come into a team you take, that's where psychology comes into play. And it's been a lot of fun to see different styles, different uh, cultures around the world. You know, you know this, and I know it. Basketball, it's great, but basketball takes you to many places, and the friendships and people you meet through the game we love, and I do mean the game we love, has made this game very special for me, and I'm thankful to be a part of this game. The final question I have for you is you are on the rules committee as well, one of three Division three women's coaches on that 13-panel committee, which always cracks me up that the biggest division has the smallest representation, but whatever. Um, listen, we added the 10-second violation a couple years ago, which I think was a terrific decision, even though I was against it at first. Uh, the 30-second shot clock staying at 30, I think, has made sense. Are, and, and But the one that's quirked me the most is, is the box that doesn't really exist but does exist, uh, the defensive box on the offensive end. First and foremost, is that something that's still going to stay around? Is that being talked about, being changed? Uh, there was talk about adding it to the floor and then realizing that could just cause more confusion. What's the deal with this rule? Well, I think that the, the part of that that is even talked about more than leads to that is the arc. Yeah. And I think, and again, now I want, you know, I don't have any for sure on this, but I know there's talk about moving the arc out a little bit farther. Okay. Now, I am not trying to say that's going to happen. I'm just right. saying there's been talk. And sure. if that would, that might impact that quote-unquote box, which is interesting because a lot of people don't even know about it. And other people that do, it's sort of ill-defined. Yes. Uh, I mean, you are right with what you're saying. And I guess the point I'm trying to say is I think whatever gets decided about the arc will have an impact as to whether that box is even there because if the arc gets extended – you know, I don't know this, but that, they might just simply remove the invisible box and just say the arc is what it is with no box or not. So I think that what happens with the arc will determine a lot of other things. Let me jump on that. Why isn't it the arc anyway? Can you ask that again? I apologize. No, it's okay. Why isn't it the arc to begin with? Well, the issue is is that if you get an offensive rebound, let's say that I'm defending you and you get an offensive rebound just outside the arc, and I, I emphasize just outside so that I'm on defense now inside. If you don't use the box, that, that means that I can now not play defense on that offensive rebound because I'm inside the arc. The point of the box was that if a person starts to play inside the box like an offensive rebound, then the arc is invisible. So if I get an offensive rebound inside the box, the arc becomes invisible so the defense who is right there in front of me can be inside and still play defense. If I start my play outside of the box, then the arc is in play, and the person has to play defense starting outside the arc. And I know that's a long and convoluted answer, but that's kind of the point of it, to allow people to still play defense on offensive rebounds. I could talk to you a half an hour about the box and the arc, and there may be some people who are going to be frustrated that I'm going to move on at this point, but I definitely – I almost find the box to be not – almost irrelevant now i mean i don't i don't see it called anymore the first year i think i saw it i don't i don't really see it called now my question to you two two more questions on rules one would be 
Are there any other rules that could be coming down the pike? Because we do go into a new set of two-year rules next year. Um, anything coming down the pike that we should have our eyes on besides this toying around with the arc mentality? But anything else that might come or be altered or be changed or being up for discussion? You know, and again, I have no great insight. I would say one thing that's always looked at is when with, with – most every game now having TV and cameras, mm -hmm. there's always the question of how much stuff should the officials be able to go to the cameras to mm -hmm. adjust. And it's kind of a, you know, it's a catch-22 because the more you go, the more people say, well, let's go to fix the next thing that we maybe missed. And it's kind of like the NFL and, and you know, NBA and Major League Baseball. Where's the fine line between losing the flow of the game mm -hmm. and between let's get it right. And obviously it's hard to argue with the concept of let's get it right. However, what if while you go to the video to get something right, you see another violation that wasn't seen? It could become never-ending. And that, I think, my gut feeling will be talked about a lot more of how many things should we be able to go to quote-unquote correct. That's an interesting one. My last one would be is there any reason the men's and women's game can't have the same rules? And I know there's an element here on the men's side. I don't like the 35-second shot clock anymore. It's a whole other conversation. But is there any reason the two committees can't come together and go, in some capacity, our rules have to be the same? Now, I can understand some slight differences. But box versus arc, 35 versus 30. At one point, no 10-second versus 10-second. Um, it, it, it's almost like we got... Two different, two different groups acting like it's two different games. That has also been talked about a lot in terms of, because obviously fans are used to one game and then they watch the other game. Correct. They think, well, you know, and the 10-second call was the example. And again, you, you said it's now changed. But me, fans would watch men's basketball and then watch a women's game prior to the new rule <laughs> would be yelling, hey, 10 seconds, 10 seconds, <laughs> when it wasn't. Mm -hmm. And you're bringing up a very, very good point from the spectator point of view and sort of the overall spirit of the game of basketball. And I, I without trying to cop out, I agree with you that it is a concern, it is an issue. And the closer we can be, well, still maybe, you know, obviously the basketball size, that's different. And, and that's, you know, that's a different thing. It's a little bit smaller for women's game. But yeah, sure. Yeah, and I know you get that. But you're, you're sharing a very good concern, which is the more that we can be the same, the better it is for everybody in the basketball community, fans included. And it's been talked about. It's discussed. You still have some inherent where maybe the men's or the women's feel, well, yes, but this is unique and we like that, and those things become hard to change. Well, I appreciate you answering some of those questions. I know we ended up taking more time than I planned, so I, I appreciate it. It's always fun to have someone who's on the rules committee uh, on the show just to pick their brain just a little bit. So I thank you for taking the time. Also, thank you for talking about your team, uh, the WIAC regular season. Good luck against Stevens Point coming up on Friday. Hopefully you're in a championship game and working your way to the NCAA tournament. We certainly wish you luck there. As always, we give the coach the final word. Any final thoughts you'd like to share with those who may be tuning in? Well, my final thought is, and I'm not trying to so much, you know, kind of uh, just suck up to you, but I want to give, give uh, kind of a shout-out to D3 Hoops. You know, your website started several years ago, and I say several, I don't know what you might help me with that. <laughs> and it's just gotten better and better, and it's become now the go-to for information. My family, my friends. 
people go on there. And what you guys do in terms of the support is, is phenomenal, and it's become a fun thing that we can even have this. So I thank you for your hard work and effort. It's fun. Well, thank you, Coach. I appreciate the kind words. Late 90s is about the okay. average we can give you okay. the answer to that. Um, well, thank you so much. Like I said, good luck the rest of the of the week here. Uh, hopefully we'll be talking about the, the Yellow Jackets when it comes up on Monday. Uh, otherwise, uh, take care. Good luck in the UMAC next season. We'll talk to you soon, I'm sure. Thank you for your time. Absolutely. Don Mullen joining us here on the Hoopsville Hotline. Appreciate him taking the time. When we come back, we'll jump into some men's basketball action. Um, and we'll, uh, let's see, are we keeping it in the Central Region? Uh, I'm trying to remember what we're doing. Actually, we'll jump, uh, yeah, we'll jump into the Central Region and talk to Illinois Wesleyan. That's all coming up here on Hoopsville. You listen to Hoopsville presented by D3Hoops.com, the National Association of Basketball Coaches. And, of course, viewers like you. Tweet us at D3Hoops or hashtag Hoopsville. Join us on Facebook at Facebook.com slash Hoopsville or on, you can always email us, Hoopsville at D3Hoops.com. More Hoopsville right after this. We've got more schools than Division One, more fans than Division Two, and more upsets than March Madness. There's 800 programs with over 11,000 games leading to two national championships. And we've been covering it all for over a decade. From Eastern to Occidental, from Puget Sound to Piedmont, from Southwestern to the University of New England, and from Hope to Calvin. Nobody covers Division III basketball like we do. We're D3Hoops.com at www.d3hoops.com. I used to never really talk. Ever. I was scared and shy. Uh, it was hard to look at people's faces. Uh, I was afraid if I said something wrong, everyone would laugh at me. But then I started to play golf with Special Olympics. I made friends and won lots of gold medals. But I learned more than just playing golf. Special Olympics helped me to find my voice. And now everyone else is speechless. Welcome back to Hoopsville, everybody. Hope you're enjoying the show. It is February 26th. We are running out of days in the Division Three basketball season. To be exact... In six days, we'll be talking about who's in and who's out of the NCAA tournament, or five days, really, on Monday. And, of course, Sunday, we'll be talking about who's uh, possibly in, or is in, and may be in, and may be out. It's all in our special coverage Sunday and Monday. We'll talk more about that at the end of the show. Um, also, you can follow exactly what we're doing with our coverages at d3hoops.com and Hoopsville by following us on Facebook, uh, at least the Hoopsville account, which is facebook.com slash Hoopsville. The D3 Hoops account is facebook.com slash D3 Hoops. I'm sure this is challenging. Uh, don't forget to follow us on Twitter at D3 Hoops, at D3 Hoopsville. Of course, follow us on, follow the entire Division 3 on hashtag D3H or follow us on the show at hashtag Hoopsville. Of course, you can always email us, Hoopsville, at D3Hoops.com. Um, just got done talking, or by the way, before we get to that, I should point out, we also have our fundraiser ongoing that will run out in a few days time as well. We are one third of the way towards what we raised last year. We are 70% of the way to a modest goal 
this year. We would love to surpass that goal. Don't forget, we've already told the Sky Act, for example, uh, that we will travel out to see them if we can raise a significant portion above our goal this year. Any help you can do to help us cover Division Three basketball, we certainly appreciate it. Skyak will not be our only trip. We will make trips elsewhere, including the Central Region that is on our bucket list, hopefully for next year. Nearly made a trip to the Chicagoland area to catch a bunch of CCIW games. We just couldn't pull it off like we had hoped. Uh, amongst other games, we also looked at some UAA, though UAA Chicago was not in town that weekend. But speaking of the CCIW, speaking of the Central Region, we just got done talking to UW-Superior on the women's side up in northern Wisconsin. So we'll head down into Illinois and go to the middle of Illinois and talk to one of the CCIW teams, certainly in the running, as it were. On the men's side, we'll bring in Ron Rose from Illinois Wesleyan. Coach, welcome to Hoopsville, sir. Thanks, Dave. Always great to talk to you. Well, I appreciate that. First and foremost, heck of a season so far, and a heck of it might be an understatement. Let's just talk about you first. 18-7 and seven overall, 10-4 and four in the conference. Got off to a weird bump in the road when Benedictine said hello at the beginning of the season, <laughs> 61-60. Then got a good win over Buena Vista. Got a, a, a few other games under your belt, including a nice win over Chicago before being thumped by Wash U. Uh, kind of the theme of the season, to be honest. Um, went out west, got a nice win over Nazareth, and then Cal Lutheran so rudely uh, acted as host to you guys. Uh, North Central then uh, said thank you for visiting. Then you went on a tear, which included some nice wins, including Augustana at Rock Island, which is always a big win. Elmer's then said thank you for visiting immediately after that, kind of stopped your momentum. Won four in a row after that, and then Augustana and North Park beat you before you finally beat Elmhurst, who you will now face in the semifinals out at Augustana. We'll go through how crazy this is, but from your point of view, well, what's the season been like? Well, I, I think, you know, as you as you summarize it that way, it really highlights a little bit of the roller coaster we've been on. Uh, we have, and I think this is probably fairly consistent with uh, a lot of teams this year, uh, you know, we, we've played some pretty good basketball, and we, we've gotten on, um, you know, ha had some weeks and um, strung some games together where you really felt like uh, we were putting it together, and, and then we'd hit a game and, and, and not play well. And, and we were uh, several situations where we thought there were some pivotal times where we could really turn the corner um, and and – uh, we, we'd suffer some setbacks. But to my kids' credit, uh, you know, we've been resilient. And we, we haven't allowed uh, one or two losses uh, to become a season. And I think we've put together a very solid season, especially considering the uh, six terrific seniors that, that uh, graduated a year ago. This is a different group that, that has needed some time to find itself. Uh, we feel like um, after our game last Saturday against Elmhurst, that uh, we're playing a little better, and uh, we're going to need to as we head into the CCIW tournament. And that's the interesting thing. I mean, this, this CCIW, listen, it's always tough. Um, a couple years ago, we certainly had a top, and we certainly had a bottom, top four, mm -hmm. bottom four. It's come together just a little bit more without diving into every breakdown of every team. I think North Park went four or five straight Saturdays with a huge win 
in conference over a team well above them. Um, no one's been impervious to a setback. Augustana has certainly had theirs. You guys have had yours. Elmers came into the fray, but then has also taken some setbacks, including that 30-point thumping you guys gave them, 96-66, to close out the regular season. Um, Wheaton maybe hasn't lived up to some expectations, but they've still got some significant uh, numbers. I can go through this entire conference and pick out some interesting uh, decisions. From your vantage point as a coach, has a, has a CCIW season ever been this this crazy? <laughs> Well, you know, it really hasn't. Not in my nine years in the league coaching that on any given Wednesday or Saturday, um, you didn't know what was going to happen, whether it was going to be, you know, uh, overtime games, close losses, uh, big wins, upsets. Uh, You just never uh, felt like really no team was able to get great traction and take control of the league. And, And as a result, you know, it came down to the last week, the last game where it was still in some doubt in terms of who was going to make the conference tournament, who was going to win the conference. And, uh, you know, other, you know, I think the, for, from a fan's perspective, it was, it was great. It was exciting. It was entertaining. From a coach's standpoint, uh, it was, uh, <laughs> I think I went through a lot of sleepless nights and, and Tums. You know, it, it, it can be nerve-wracking because uh, you you knew every night out you better play at a high level because the other team was what they were capable of. Well, North Central had a good season at one point, then somewhat disappeared, and now it's come roaring back. Uh, we talk about uh, Augustana, of course. You guys ended up finishing a game behind them. Elmers finished a game behind you, and North Central finished a game behind Elmers. And again, North Park was 6-8, and eight, and North Park had a chance. Yeah. Of making the conference tournament, Carthage finished five and nine, Wheaton four and ten, Milliken three and eleven. Everybody made somewhat of a stride forward, as it were. You guys had that win over Augustana, pretty much got everybody off their feet and shaking their heads, going, "Jeez, here we go." You get that win, you then lose to Elmhurst, which kind of stopped the momentum. But you still had Augustana coming back to your place essentially playing for first place in the tournament coming uh, through Blooming, um, you know, through uh, Bloomington versus going to Rock Island. How pivotal really was that game? Well, in terms of, uh, you know, who wins the conference, which is always the, the, the first goal of any season is to try to claim that conference championship. You know, it was the pivotal game. We win that game. Uh, the tournament is, is here at the Shirk Center this weekend. Um, I give Augustana credit. They came in and played a terrific game. Uh, we didn't do the things we needed to do to, to secure home court. And, you know, we've been very good at home. That was our only home loss this year. Mm-hmm. Uh, we've, we, I think we're something like 26-2 and two over the last two years. So, you know, it's, it, we've got a great home court advantage, and, and um, we didn't take advantage of that opportunity. Uh, you know, then, then uh, we lose a tough one at North Park. Uh, and, and what I, again, like I said, you know, at that point, uh, you know, the doubters come out and, um, I, I couldn't be proud of our group in the sense that, uh, instead of folding the tent, our guys really rallied, played a great game Saturday and have positioned ourselves to have a chance, uh, to get on a roll here, uh, going into the, the postseason play. The game on Saturday, again, 96-66 over Elmhurst at home. 
Elmer's beat you at their place, 76-73. You'll go play this on a neutral court at Augustana. What do we? What should we expect of this game? There's no way this is a 96-66 game again. Is this is the game that you're going to probably play on Friday night against Elmer's closer in reality to what we saw on January 24th? Well, I think it's going to be a highly contested game. It's not going to be the same game that we just played. You know, that was a game where we had a lot of emotion and you know a difficult time to play Illinois Wesleyan. It was senior night. Uh, our court was being named mm-hmm. after our legendary AD and basketball coach, Denny Bridges, Denny Bridges Court. Uh, you know, so we, we had, uh, you know, we had Jack Sigma was in the house. We had 100 former players here. So there was a lot of motivation. It was just a, a time that you knew our guys were going to be highly focused. It was a game where a lot of things went our way, you know. Uh, a couple of their key guys got in foul trouble. We shot the ball well. We rebounded the ball well, and it, it snowballed a little bit. Uh, Elmhurst has got a fine team. John Baines is doing a great job with those guys. Uh, they play extremely hard, and, and I think it's going to be a battle from the tip. Yeah, I was going to obviously this is the big game. I mean, Augustana is going to have a tough matchup themselves when they take on uh, North Central. Uh, certainly, and, and there's a lot on the line. We'll get into that a little bit more, but I want to talk uh, just a little bit about the makeup of your team. You've got Dylan Overstreet, who was uh, named uh, co-most outstanding player in the conference, um, splitting the honor with, and I'm actually forgetting who he split the honor Hunter with. Hunter Hill from Augustana. Thank you. Thank you. Um, which seems appropriate in some <laughs> weird ways. Um, at the same time, you had one other guy on the on the first team, or on, on the all uh, conference selections in Jordan Nelson. You don't have. This is one of those teams, and maybe it has been a little bit in the history too. But you don't have guy, you know, a lot of guys that stand out. Overstreet certainly stands out. But you know, usually you have a a wealth of players, all of them making key con- contributions. This seems like you have that this year as well. Aside from Overstreet, who certainly is having a terrific year. Yeah, and that is one of our strengths, and it has been the last few years that uh, we've got guys that have accepted their roles, and uh, it may not be that uh, any of their numbers are gaudy, whether we have a 20-point score or a 12-rebound-a-game guy, but when you when you pair them up with the guys playing, uh, you know, for example, uh, Mike Marietti and Trevor Sebring are are splitting some time at the five. Mike moves over to the four as well. But as a as a position, as a five, we feel very strongly about it. Uh, but it, it, it's we're kind of doing it a little bit more by committee. Uh, one thing we really emphasize here is that uh, we want to to make sure that the parts um, come together and the whole is stronger than any one part, and that we play ridiculously unselfish. And this group. Um, has done that. I think as we the season has gone on, uh, guys have gained some valuable experience and uh, learned to compete as a team, which we're going to need to do because I, you would anticipate uh, any game that we play in from here on out would be a very close competitive game. You have four seniors on this squad. Three of them are making major contributions, obviously. Dylan Overstreet leading the team at 11.5 points a game. Uh, hauling in four and a half rebounds a game. Also, just to be good, he hands out uh, a plethora of assists, 113 
on the season. Jordan Nelson, second on the team, 10.8 points a game. Pat Soderman, uh, third on the team, 8.7 points a game. Of course, Nelson, about half the time, comes off the bench versus starting. The other season, don't want a senior, don't want to leave him out, is Braden, uh, Brandon uh, Han, but he's only played in four games. So you have this senior leadership that is certainly the heart and soul of this team and certainly the stat leaders. I asked this question from a lot of coaches. Does that mean this is the type of season you need to take advantage of, and that means try and get to the NCAA tournament and do some damage? Well, that's our goal every year. Right. And I do think it is easier when you have some seniors because – you know, the end of their careers are in sight. Yeah. <laughs> you know, they seniors just tend to have um, uh, a high level of urgency, and they know that, that, that it just kind of helps them um, have a keen focus in the moment. And so having seniors certainly helps. Um, you know, we're fortunate this year we have uh, four seniors that, that have led us, but we also have some underclassmen, I think, the key then is those underclassmen are playing to give those older guys the opportunity to continue to play. And I know our underclassmen think the world of our seniors, and uh, and so hopefully that, that that effort will show wanting to get Dylan Overstreet and Pat and Jordan and Brandon more opportunities to wear the Titan jersey. You're certainly got a lot on the line. Uh, you know, you look at the final public regional rankings. Um, and obviously there'll be another set that we just won't get to see. And the central region, of course, now has the WIAC in it. You're sitting sixth, um, potentially not in a, in a ton of danger, only because conceivably three or four of the teams ahead of you will get in on automatic bids before, uh, and then you'll get the chance. But do you have a sense that you absolutely need to win the AQ or you maybe need to get to the championship game to at least secure your chance in case you can't win the AQ? Yeah, you know, the only way you know you're in is if you get the AQ. It's the only way you know. And, um, you know, we've been fortunate the last five years we've had really good seasons but have fallen short in the tournament. Just have not uh, uh, completed the deal in terms of the CCIW tournament and have received at-large bids because of the resume we put together during the regular season. I think we're, we're uh, you know, right now we're a bubble team. And so we know that in order to to get off that bubble, we, we need to get a win on Friday and would the only way to know for sure is to get a win Saturday. But, you know, there's a lot of teams like that. And so I think that's one of the uh, intrigues and one of the things that uh, is so alluring to the NCAA tournaments is the excitement knowing that, uh, you know, a lot is at, at stake for each of these teams that are playing. Last year you were able to take advantage of the home court in the NCAA tournament with wins over Webster and St. Norbert, Calvin, and then the sleeper in Dickinson before heading to the Salem Civic Center and um, being uh, unceremoniously uh, punted from Salem by the eventual champs in Wisconsin-Whitewater, 71-63. This time it certainly looks, and there could be some exceptions here, is obviously in that central west area, St. Thomas and Washu men may not be able to host, but it looks like you may have to hit the road. Obviously, Shirk Center is important, but you're getting a taste of having to win on the road this weekend. So is that also part of the learning experience? Not that these guys don't have need to learn anymore, but at least the comfortability maybe that, listen, we're going on the road this weekend to play. We're probably going to have to get used to going on the road every weekend to play if we want to make a run in this tournament well we 
in all honesty, we have not looked that far ahead. You know, <laughs> I do though. That's just my job. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. You're a big picture guy, Dave. I, I'm just trying to get to Friday, man. I'm sure. just trying to find our way to Rock Island, and um, you know, I, I, there is something to be said for that. You know, it's, it's funny in, in um, uh, 2000. And 12, we, when we were fortunate to make a tournament run, uh, we were on the road. We were at Hope, and then we went out to Wooster, and it was such an incredible experience to be able to get on the bus and travel as a group and spend time together as a, in the hotel. And for that team, um, that team uh, camaraderie was so strong that I, I don't think that bothered them. In fact, I think it made us stronger. Uh, last year, uh, having the opportunity to play at home, uh, certainly that's that's everybody's preference. But I remember saying after our first uh, round game that there was, you know, it, 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 I kind of missed going as a group and experiencing that. Now I I quickly changed my my tune when I saw what an advantage it was to play at home. But you know, right now our focus is on the the conference tournament. Um, we, we know we we've got a tough game on Friday. We we certainly can't look ahead or assume anything. I think um, if this season has taught us anything, that uh, the the only thing that's certain is the uncertainty of what's going to happen. So we just need to make sure we take care of our business on Friday. Uh, wrapping things up here with Ron Rose, Illinois Wesleyan head coach. Uh, team is 18-7 and overall, 10-4 and in conference play. Big game against Elmers coming up at Augustana here on uh, Friday night. Uh, for a chance to play in the conference championship game on Saturday. Of course, just beat Elmers by 30 uh, on the 21st last Saturday, but that does not mean much if anybody's been following the CCIW this season. Um, Coach, uh, we talk about the at-large, we talk about all of that, um, and certainly the the challenges that 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 will imply and that will entail. Um, You guys did get to the Final Four. Is there anything you can lean on from that experience last year uh, that is fresh in these in these guys' minds. Are you far enough removed now from that that in some cases it's not relevant anymore? Well, I think that the, the part that is relevant is uh, for all those guys that were part of that team and understand the excitement and being in a big game. You know, you got Dylan Overstreet who um, you know is three-time All-Conference guy, played in the Final Four. He understands uh, how to prepare for the moment. Pat Soderman was a starting guard in the Final Four team. Mike Marietti started in the Final Four. So we, we've got experience uh, in, in terms of playing in those big games. It doesn't doesn't guarantee anything, but it, it is nice to know that you've got guys who have uh, played in those games, produced in those games, and and uh, are able to um, you know uh, perform uh, when the pressure's on. So uh, in terms of um, you know, does it does it give you an advantage? I think any time you can lean on experience, that is an advantage. Um, before we let you go, certainly want to talk more quickly about the Denny Bridges court uh, ceremony that was this past Saturday. Of course, Denny Bridges, longtime head coach at Illinois Wesleyan, longtime athletics director, who is stepping aside, uh, longest term, longest serving uh, athletics director in school history. Um, of course, won a national championship as a head coach. Well, obviously, a lot of great guys came back. I know it was the talk of the of the region, talk of the CCIW. Um, what is you know what is a a moment like that where you can 
honor a guy who's given so much. And to say he bleeds green would be the understatement of the year. Um, what's it like to be able to honor a, a man like him who I would say everyone is kind of judged against in some capacity? Well, you know, Coach Bridges, I was very fortunate to play for him here at Illinois Wesleyan. Um, and, you know, his record stands on its own. You know, 17 conference championships, 600 and some wins. You know, very few have done it any better. And, and um, for someone, you know, he, he's given so much to Illinois Wesleyan, 51 years associated with the university. You know, when you think about Illinois Wesleyan athletics, you think Denny Bridges. And so I think it was uh, a terrific tribute to him. I think it was uh, a perfect uh, way to honor him, uh, having done so many good things as a basketball coach and building the tradition uh, that we have uh, to, to name the court after him. Uh, and then, then I think it, it showed uh, what so many of the former players felt of about him, that we had so many come back. Mm-hmm. And uh, it was just a terrific evening for, for Wesleyan Athletics uh, and, and very happy that we were able to do that for Coach Bridges. Well, it certainly was a, an honor that everybody has enjoyed uh, seeing, whether they saw it live, in person, or got to see some of the video after the fact. Um, of course, uh, he's got that. He's got the famous book, if I'm not mistaken, right? Oh yeah, Dunk only counts Dunk. two points. Yeah, uh, terrific. It's a, it's a great read on small college basketball. Yes. Anyone who's a, a D3 fan uh, should get that book because it shares some of his stories over the years, uh, over his 36 years of coaching here. You know what we need to do? We need to get that book and put it in our bookshelf behind us um, here on the uh, in the Hoops Hill Studios. That's what we need to adorn our... I'll get you, I'll get you one. You will, yeah? I'll, that, I'll do that for you, Dave. Oh, that'd be great. You can't say I never did anything for you, then. <laughs> That's true. That's true. <laughs> Darn it, I can't. Darn. Uh, oh, well, there goes that uh, carrot I had over you for a while. Uh, well, Coach, thanks so much for coming on the show. I appreciate it. Uh, Bob Quillman, if you're tuning in, we'll, let it, we'll give the gig up now. This was pre-taped. Um, in case you're wondering why your questions, if you're firing them away on Twitter, have not been directly answered by Ron or myself. Uh, a little trick of the trade, as it were. As always, we give the coach and guest the final word. Any final thoughts you want to share with those who may be tuning in, Coach? Well, hey, it's been a great regular season. This is a terrific time if you're a basketball fan or associated with uh, basketball, the NCAA tournament as it's as it's uh, about ready to get started. And as always, Dave, uh, as a Division Three uh, coach and fan, we appreciate so much what you do uh, to uh, get get the Division Three information out. And uh, we appreciate all your hard work. Well, thank you, Coach. I appreciate the kind words. Good luck this weekend in Augustana, which may be your second home in some capacity. <laughs> uh, we appreciate you taking the time, and uh, hopefully we're, we're talking about the Titans on Monday. I'm hoping so. Thanks, Dave. Appreciate awesome. it. Ron Rose joining us here on the Hoopsville Hotline. Appreciate it, as always, from him and the CCIW. Again, team has the big game against Elmers in the semifinals game at Augustana. That is coming up on Friday. Winner will take on the winner of Augustana um, versus, and I totally blanked on who, oh, North Central. Uh, They will take on the winner of that on Saturday. Automatic bid at line. Augustana probably locked to make the tournament. Elmers, Illinois, Wesleyan trying to secure a bid if they can't win it themselves we're going to take another break when we come back we'll go from illinois to erie pennsylvania talk pennsylvania 
Uh, Penn State Baron men's basketball. You're listening to Hoops Show, presented by D3Hoops.com and the National Association of Basketball Coaches. And, of course, viewers like yourself. If you've got any questions for us, tweet us at D3Hoopsville and hashtag Hoopsville. Email us, Hoopsville at D3Hoops.com, or join us on Facebook at Facebook.com slash Hoopsville. We'll have plenty more Hoopsville right up ahead, coming up next. Every season starts with hope and a dream to play for the ultimate title to become NCAA National Champions. And you can experience it live at the 2015 NCAA Division III Men's Basketball Championship. March 20th and 21st in Salem, Virginia. Hosted by the Old Dominion Athletic Conference and the City of Salem. Affordable tickets now available. Visit NCAA.com slash tickets today and make a date with champions. We've got more schools than Division One, more fans than Division Two, and more upsets than March Madness. There's 800 programs with over 11,000 games leading to two national championships. And we've been covering it all for over a decade. From Eastern to Occidental, from Puget Sound to Piedmont, from Southwestern to the University of New England, and from Hope to Calvin. Nobody covers Division Three basketball like we do. We're D3Hoops.com at www.d3hoops.com. Division Three allows you to give yourself to other things. Having that free time allows me to pursue the things that I want to pursue. Division Three Athletics affords students the opportunity to, you know, engage in the other interests in their campus and in their lives outside of that sport. It allows you to just be able to do everything you want to do. How it wouldn't change it for the world. Hey, welcome back to Hoopsville, everybody. Hope you're enjoying our show. It's our expanded show. It's crazy time here. But that's that time of year where we have plenty to talk about on the show. And so we uh, add a little bit of time and squeeze in as many go- coaches and guests as we can. Um, so if you have questions for us or our guests, tweet us at D3Hoopsville or hashtag Hoopsville. Email us, hoopsville at D3Hoops.com. Join us on Facebook at Facebook.com slash Hoopsville. Uh, don't forget about the Hoopsville fundraising project. Uh, when we started the show, and it hasn't changed since, we were 70% of the way towards our goal. Our goal was half the amount we had last year as a goal, and we raised more than our goal last year. And so thus, we've only raised about three quarters to, or a quarter to a third of the money that we raised last year. The money is all used towards fixing equipment, replacing equipment, travel, bills, etc. It's hard to do this out of pocket. So anything you consider... Um, as something you want to help us, we appreciate it. By the way, you can get a Hoopsville t-shirt if you donate enough, and you can even request a certain uh, a guest of your choice if you if we raise a certain amount or you donate a certain amount. So that's all capable. Sorry, I'm waving my hand in front of the camera. It's starting to have some issues with us. Um, so again, we just tweeted out some information. We'll tweet it out a little bit more, etc., uh, etc. Et again, at D3Hoopsville, hashtag Hoopsville, email us Hoopsville, D3Hoops.com. Join us on Facebook. Facebook.com slash Hoopsville. Let's go back to the Hoopsville hotline. And uh, we're going to jump down to the south region now from Illinois down to uh, Kentucky. Uh, but technically, they're in Tennessee to this weekend. We're talking about the center men's basketball team. And joining us on the Hoopsville hotline is their head coach who's missing out on a terrific meal to join us. It's Greg Mason. Coach, welcome to Hoopsville, sir. Always a pleasure, Dave. I appreciate that. Uh, first and foremost, we were kind of in this position last year. 
um, debating whether you guys would be getting in. You guys got in. Of course, that was as a Pool B team um, and even a Pool C. I don't remember how it all transpired. Now that automatic bid is in place for the SAA, so there's a little bit more to play for this weekend. Sure is. And, you know, the Pool B was actually something that was a little bit more the body of work throughout the season. And, you know, now with the Pool A, uh, and, and we may have some opportunities for a Pool C. You and I talked a little bit about that. But uh, with the Pool A, hey, you have eight teams uh, battling for one spot, and uh, you got to win three games in three days. Not easy at all. Yeah, exactly. And that's the other thing. We'll talk about the tournament coming up. But you guys are on a roll right now. You've been playing maybe a little bit under the radar, as we talked about Muhlenberg uh, in the same capacity. Won nine in a row. Uh, you've won ten of or eleven of your last. Uh, is that right? Ten nine in a row. Ten eleven of your last twelve. Yeah, I got that right. Um, you've certainly been playing well. You had that rough stretch right in the middle of the season, where you lost four of seven games uh, to start the the second half of the season per se after your Christmas holiday, but you've gotten things righted. What's been the difference? Really, as much as anything, the two big strengths on this team, we have excellent post play. Blake Senna, 6'9", junior, uh, could be the SAA player of the year. Uh, it's going to be uh, it's gonna be tough because Larry Thomas is in that mix as well. Uh, but then Tyler Wesley defensively is really, really good. And uh, we started, we, we got off to the best start in school history, won our first eight games, and then we bumped into a team called Johns Hopkins. And mm-hmm. uh, at that time, they were not known to be as good as they turned out to be. We knew they were good. Uh, but I think uh, the record indicates that they were a little bit better than I thought they were. And uh, Johns Hopkins beat us, and then we kind of just went through a little bit of a uh, you know a spell during the season. Everybody goes through, didn't play as great, but uh, the character of the team is phenomenal. And we righted the ship, and uh, we changed the starting lineup a little bit. Brought Mike Geegan uh, from the bench and, and put him in the starting lineup. And from that point forward, we've been playing a lot better. Like you said, one nine straight coming down the stretch, nine in a row to win a or to share a conference title. So I uh, couldn't be more pleased, couldn't be more proud of what our season's been so far. Yeah, unfortunately, you ended up tied with Rhodes at 11-3 and at the top of the conference. Of course, those three games in conference action that you lost were Suwannee, Birmingham, Southern, and, of course, Rhodes, um, which ended up giving Rhodes the tiebreaker. Um, and so you guys are in Memphis, Tennessee. Not that there's anything wrong with that, um, but it's not your home court. Uh, you're going to have to you're gonna have to get a little bit of road cooking going here to, to win and, and secure that automatic bid. What's been the message to the team so far? Really just, uh, I mean, it's obviously a confident team right now when you win nine straight. And, uh, and, and we've done it at some tough places, Dave. I mean, at Birmingham Southern, mm-hmm. uh, an, an awesome basketball program. And then this past weekend, uh, we had to uh, beat Oglethorpe at Oglethorpe. And uh, I don't know if you saw the clip. Uh, Matt Gump had a mm-hmm. running 25-footer at the buzzer that even made ESPNU, uh, which was really cool for our guys. But, you know, pretty much the message is, you know, don't – don't concern yourself with winning the championship. Really just try to be a champion this weekend. You know, closeouts, blockouts, moving the ball, execute the offense, all those little things. If we do that, then hopefully the score will take care of itself. Of course, the other thing that's interesting in this conference is Swanee came out of nowhere, uh, ended up finishing third on the season, um, a game behind you and Rhodes. And of course, they defeated you guys. They were 16-9. and nine. This is a team that was 13-13 and 13 last year. 17 and 9 the year before that, 13 and 13 the year before that, and that's really when they became relevant. Um, but certainly right. changed the occasion, and really it's been since they came into the SAA that changed that equation for them. How has that 
you know, and Oglethorpe's down, but they're still 16 and 9, 7 and 7. Birmingham Southern's down 15 and 10, 7 and 7, but still in play. And I just mean down from what we've seen over right. the years. How much has that changed the SAA now that Suwanee has thoroughly become part of the mix? Yeah, well, Bubba Smith has done a great job there. Um, you know, he, he kind of came in and, and I guess uh, built the program. And, and um, you know, he's got some guys who are in their junior and senior years. He's got a really good point guard, uh, Jordan Williams, who's a sophomore. And uh, I mean, they, they have talent. They have talent. I mean, the three losses we had on the road, well, I, I take that back. We had two on the road and one at uh, – uh, one at home in Birmingham Southern. All three of those teams, Swanee, Birmingham Southern, Rhodes, all three are very, very good basketball teams. So uh, our four losses have been to four really, really good teams. And, you know, now this weekend we just have to come down here and, and play our best basketball, and hopefully that's good enough. Um, we'll talk about the uh, SAA tournament in a little bit. Let's talk about your team, if you don't mind. Um, you're obviously building on the success of last year, but you've got a somewhat young team. You've got two seniors and then a, a, a whole mess of juniors and sophomores and a lot of freshmen. Junior leading the way in Blake, uh, I'm, I hope I get it right, Skinta? Sinta. Sinta. Oh, very nice. Sinta. Uh, 15.8 points a game, seven rebounds a game, two or I'm sorry, almost two assists a game. Um, Josh Karsner, the senior, 15.5 points a game, hauling in five, four and a half rebounds a game. Um, Matt Gump, the sophomore, eight re or eight points a game, um, and then uh, a senior in Mike Geegan, uh, uh, yeah, Geegan, seven and a half points a game, and Tyler Wesley, the junior, seven point two points a game. So you got a nice mix there. We do. It's a different team from last year. Very different. We lost four of our top eight, and you know, last year towards the stretch, coming down the stretch, uh, we played mostly man. This year, we are a entirely. I mean, forty minutes a game zone. We play a matchup zone, and it's workforce. But uh, yeah, personnel. You know, personnel wise, uh, like I said earlier, Blake uh, I think is very deserving if he's chosen as uh, conference player of the year. He and Larry Thomas, your uh, Division three. Uh, your D3 Hoops preseason All-American are uh, probably the two best, um, in, in my opinion. And Blake's kind of uh, – he he would love if I if I said this. He's a quicker version of Kyle Wilcher, the guy <laughs> from Kentucky and Gonzaga. He's you know he's inside, he's outside, he can hit the threes. The best thing he did in high school was shoot the ball. Uh, and then since he's uh, you know gotten to college, we've we worked on him in the post. He's very, very good. Uh, Josh Karsner, our 6'5", uh, senior best shooter in the conference and this is a conference of shooters i mean larry thomas is elite uh, there's a couple other guys you know josh is shooting around 47 percent from three tyler wesley um you know a guy from last year who's he's already broken the career block shots uh record in the in, in, for center and i'm thinking he's probably getting close in the conference so we've just had a great group of kids and they've really worked hard and they knew you know we, we knew we were we were young early and we got some confidence early on, then hit the skids. But since then, we've been playing some really good basketball coming down the stretch. I was going to say, are you are you maybe playing above above expectations a little bit here, considering what you lost from last year's squad, um, and the fact that you're now in play for an at-large bid potentially? Dave, very hesitantly, I'd say yes. I mean, uh, you know, because last year we were 24 and five year before 21 and six, but this year uh, losing, you know, losing a Donovan Whiteside, losing a Colin Lopez, losing a couple of others that were in the mix too. Um, you know, you, you think, okay, we're going to learn a little bit this year because we've got some guys stepping into roles they've never played before. Uh, but again, it's it just, it's a, it's a yes or no, sir group. Uh, it's just a great group of ambassadors. They, they picked some things up and they played a little bit above their head at times because 
you know the character is so good. It, it's it's a team. It's one of the teams. Uh, one one of my prouder moments is is winning the regular season championship and and just watching the kids uh, celebrate in the locker room. It, it was it was a special situation. Reference back to the Oglethorpe game. Got a question on Twitter from Scott. Asks uh, how much was the win against Oglethorpe maybe fueled by watching your women's team battle from eleven down for the W earlier. <laughs> Great question. Great question. I think I know who Scott is. Mm. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, it's we were very happy. Our women won two games uh, this past weekend, so we got a sweep on the road. First time that's happened this year. Uh, but, yeah, it was a, oh, Sunday against Oglethorpe. At Oglethorpe, was, it, was, it was one of those games I'll always remember. I think he's uh, sitting back home, just for the record, um, if <laughs> I'm not mistaken. Uh, I'm double-checking because I can't remember what your women are up to. This weekend, no, no, no he's in Jackson, at, Mississippi. Uh, yeah, they're That's Jackson, Mississippi. Yeah, I got, uh, I got my teams in the SAA all screwed up in my head. Um, so you know, you've got this scenario where you're one nine in a row. You got to take on Barry tomorrow in SAA tournament action. Uh, the big key I got to ask you is, you got to play three straight games this weekend. The only other ones to do that are the SAA women, and in this year it's the women on the on the ODAC side. Last year it was the men. Had uh, had the head coach um, for the women um, on. Uh, let me try that one again. Had the women's coach for Millsaps on the show on Sunday. He said this three-game tournament thing's a little bit for the birds. I'm I'm using my words there. He doesn't think it's a great idea. What's your take on this three-game yeah. tournament? Well, and we've talked about it as a conference. We're a young conference. This is our third year of doing this. You know, we're really the SEAC became the SAA in right. many ways. Uh, so we've been doing this. We're used to it. But I tell you what, Dave, at the end of it, like last year, all right, we went three games in three days. And, you know, Monday, uh, and we were home too. Monday, our guys, we, we couldn't do anything. Tuesday, a lot of the guys, a lot of the guards were saying, Coach, our, our legs just, we don't feel very good. So it's, a, <clears throat> excuse me, it's a marathon. And and, and parts of it is that, that Sunday game, that championship game, us in Birmingham Southern played it. Two years ago, in the final was forty-five to I think I think it was forty-five to forty-two or forty-five to forty-three, yeah. and just it really t- it was pulling teeth to score score up. So it's it is tough. It's it's maybe a little bit tougher than people realize. But hey, you know it's what we have to do, so we have to go do it. What would you change? Well, how would you change this tournament for the better? Would you throw a, a, a maybe a, the top two seeds get a bye? Um and the, the the bottom and then the next four teams let's say are playing earlier in the week then head to the number I one. Think, I think so, David. Now you know with our conference it's it's all very strong academic schools, so you have some misclass issues. So sure. you can't um, you, you can't do a lot of creative things. But I do wish that uh, the top two seats did have a buy. But when you do that, then you eliminate two teams. So, yeah. you know, there, there's no easy answer. But all I can tell you is three games. I mean, we're going to have to win. We're going to have to win one o'clock, five o'clock, and one o'clock. Yeah. And uh, you know, for a team that's big on preparation and things like that, it's not easy. We've done it the last two years, uh, but still, it's not easy, and it's it's tough. Uh, it's tough on a group of kids. But you know, hey, <laughs> if we don't do it, somebody else is going to do it. True. Um, what do you think your chances are in that large from your point of view? Or is this forget it? We got to go win the AQ. Well, that's we were talking a little bit beforehand, and um, I don't know all the numbers. I do know we've had a great season. I know we've played some really good teams. Our four losses are all to really, really good basketball teams, uh, and some of our wins, you know, at Oval Four, at Birmingham Southern, 
they're just at Hanover, which is a very good basketball program. Uh, so there's a lot of good wins we have there. We're just focused on Barry tomorrow uh, and just trying to control what we can control and get enough wins, and hopefully our numbers, um, you know, they, they add up. I don't know, Dave. <laughs> You're better on that stuff than I am. I'm just, I'm just a basketball coach trying to figure out how to stop uh, stop Barry tomorrow. Well, you know what? Go beat Barry, win two more, and it's an AQ, and we don't have to worry about it, right? Amen. Amen. That's 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 kind of the way we're looking at it. But, good. you know, first off, uh, tomorrow, tomorrow, 1 o'clock. Exactly. 1 o'clock tomorrow tips off. Thank you for missing a pretty darn good dinner to uh, sit on yeah, the phone Dave. with me. I appreciate that. We had a chance to – our guys right now are at Rendezvous, and anybody who's been to Memphis knows yep. that Rendezvous is the place to be. But, you know, I gladly turn all that down to chat with you, Dave. Well, it's awfully kind. Uh, Scott says, tell Coach Mason, go Colonels. I will say you got – I will tell you, you got the final word. Any final thoughts you want to share with those tuning in? No, hey, just uh, got a great team and the people of Danville and the people of Center who have seen us play. I just know the quality of uh, kids that we have in the program. And uh, just very – we just want to finish strong. I want this for the guys as much as anything. And uh, I guess one last thing is uh, thanks, Dave, for all you do. You guys are the best. It's amazing what you do for D3 Hoops. And uh, continue on. Well, thank you, Coach. Good luck uh, this weekend. We'll look forward to seeing how Center does and see if the Colonels are in the tournament come Monday. You bet, Dave. Hope we are, man. Hopefully. Coach Mason joining us here on the Hoopsaw Hotline. Appreciate him taking the time to do so. Again, they are eight, uh, yeah, 20 and four, I should say. 20 and four on the season. Their SOS is about a 517. Could go up a little bit with this conference tournament. Granted, uh, it may not, as they will take on a Barry team who's below 500. Potentially, they could uh, then get a couple 500 teams after that, but it'll, it'll be close. Um, we'll see how they do, but win the AQ and don't have to worry about it, but they may be a play for an at-large. Uh, we'll find out on Monday. Thanks again, Coach Mason, for joining us. We're going to take another break. When we come back, we will uh, – where are we headed? Um, oh, we're headed to Penn, Erie, Pennsylvania, and Penn State Barron. You're listening to Hoopsville presented by D3Hoops.com, the National Association of Basketball Coaches. More Hoopsville right after this. We've got more schools than Division One, more fans than Division Two, and more upsets than March Madness. There's 800 programs with over 11,000 games leading to two national championships. And we've been covering it all for over a decade. From Eastern to Occidental, from Puget Sound to Piedmont, from Southwestern to the University of New England, and from Hope to Calvin. Nobody covers Division Three basketball like we do. We're D3Hoops.com at www.d3hoops.com. I know sports is important, but having the academic part along with it is a big plus. I've discovered in myself, you know, a a newfound ability to overcome adversity at all different angles. At a Division III school, school is really shaped around you developing yourself as a complete individual. The end result, in my mind, is you just become a very well-rounded person. Before I came into college, I didn't really think I'd be able to balance so much. It helps a lot that you have a family with your team that can guide you. With the D3 school, there's a lot of time for other opportunities. The coaches expect a lot of you during soccer, but after soccer, that's your own personal time to really find out who you are and other opportunities that you can pursue. By balancing all of my interests, basketball, my leadership skills, and academics, I'm able to better prioritize my life and to manage it.
College basketball lives in Kansas City at the College Basketball Experience at Sprint Center. The College Basketball Experience is the place to get your game on. It's not a museum, it's an experience you won't forget. Discover the history of the game in the National Collegiate Basketball Hall of Fame, featuring the Gallery of Honor, Mentor's Circle, and Honor Theater. Suit up in the latest CBE logoed Nike gear at the CBE Hoop Shop. Elevate your game today and visit the house that College Basketball built. And welcome back to Hoopsville, everybody. Hope you're enjoying the show. If you got questions for us, tweet us at D3Hoopsville or uh, use the hashtag Hoopsville. Hashtag Hoopsville. Email us, Hoopsville at D3Hoops.com or join us on Facebook at Facebook.com slash Hoopsville. Talking about Division Three basketball for at least another hour, probably a little bit longer as we answer your questions in the last block of the show, if not before then. Also uh, talking to a few more guests here as we squeeze in. Uh, plenty of Division Three basketball action. Don't forget, special shows starting 6 o'clock on Sunday. We'll also have a special show starting on Monday afternoon after the brackets have been announced in men's and women's basketball. Um, and plenty more to talk about. Have a, a big announcement on Sunday as well. Don't forget also about the Hoopsville fundraiser, which we'll tweet out. Uh, a little bit more information here coming up. A little bit behind schedule, so we want to keep things going just a little bit. And we'll get to the uh, Hoopsville hotline here um, and talk to a team who is certainly um, playing some uh, good basketball under the radar, but whether they make the NCAA tournament is up in debate. Whether they'll, if they get the AQ, it's not for debate, that's for sure, and I'm sure Coach Dave Nylon uh, would agree. And he's joining us on the Hoopsville Hotline from Penn State Baron, the number 23-ranked team in D3Hoops.com men's basketball. Coach, welcome to Hoopsville. Well, thanks for having me. Absolutely. Appreciate you taking the time. First and foremost, uh, you know the situation in some capacity or another. What do you think your your situation is uh, if you can't get the AQ from the AMCC? Uh, you know, I haven't really – we're just so focused on playing tomorrow. Uh, we've been doing this for a while, so I think if you look ahead, you kind of – hurt yourself a little bit there's a lot of good teams out there i, I was on the, i was a rack committee member for three or four years and actually sat on the national call the one year so i know it's a really difficult situation a lot of good teams don't go and i think we have a, certainly a really good team and but uh there's a lot of other good ones out there too so uh we're just hopefully we can play well this weekend um, ranked 23rd in the country, kind of been flying a little bit under the radar, as I mentioned. The last time you've had two losses on the season. One was to William Patterson back on December 28th, and the other one was to Pitt Greensburg in conference action on January 11th. Um, since then, you have won 12 in a row. Uh, started the season certainly well, was a 7-0 start to the year before that William Patterson loss. Um, how's the season gone, in your opinion? Well, it, it's been a great year. We have six seniors, which is rare, I think, at Division Three, uh, really at any level now. But uh, six seniors, uh, led by Nick Delisio, all-conference performer last year, Keith Wallace, co-defensive player of the year last year in our league, uh, Michael Knoll, uh, Dan Crest, Tyler Maloney, uh, and Chris Dudgeon. Those guys have been with us for four years, been through a lot, given us a lot. So, you know, I think they were expecting to have a good year, certainly to, to lose two games out of 25. Uh, you know, I don't know if anybody can you figure go that way, but, you know, we, we thought we could have a good year because I think our league's pretty good, and we're very fortunate to win the regular season and be able to host. Um, that would be my question is, you know, you're this is a season where you're 17-1 and in conference action and improves a record of 15-3 and last year. Um, you had a three-game lead on Madai to finish the season, four on Hilbert and Greensburg. 
um, five on Pitt Bradford. In some senses, you kind of walked away with this conference. Well, you know, we got a little help. There, the uh, Hilbert knocked off Greensburg in a really good road game, and, and we had won on the road like two weeks ago, so that helped us a little bit. It kind of took the last the last two weeks of the, the last two games of the season. We had Hilbert and Greensburg at home, and those games could have been. Those guys were all still in the running for it, as was Madai. So that little help uh, played well, and and uh, had a tight one against Hilbert last week, and uh, we play them obviously tomorrow night. So. It'll be interesting, but I think our league's pretty good. Uh, very athletic league, very diverse league. I know uh, not a lot of people know a lot about our league, but uh, it's a very diverse league because the institutions are diverse. They're all a little different, uh, but it's a very athletic league for our level. Um, when you you, you say it's, it's a competitive schedule, unfortunately, the SOS isn't helping you this year. Um, and you have some decent teams in there. I mean, we got William Patterson, you got Misery Accordia, you got Carnegie Mellon. Um is this a matter of the, the bottom of the conference just isn't as competitive as a lot of people would hope it would be? A little top-heavy. You know, I think yeah. a little top-heavy uh, this year. Uh, you know, LaRoche, who's been really good over the years, really yeah. was rebuilding this year. They, they had a terrific run for about four or five years. and So that kind of caught everybody off guard. And uh, But I think, too, that, you know, we play a lot of league games. So, you know, you play 18 league games out of 25, that, that, that factors in a little bit. So, um but yeah, yeah, I'm aware of the SOS and all that, and we did our best. You know, we went out down to down to uh, play two ranked teams in Misericordia and William Patterson. Staten Island's very good. That was a good tournament, and uh, you know, and like you said, we had CMU and we had Allegheny from the NCAC. You got a Suniac team in there, so you know, we have our traditional rivals. But if you want to get out and play, which you have to do, there's no doubt about it. It costs money in a Division Three. Uh, you know, it's not like you can go play a guaranteed game somewhere. You know, so are you are you concerned? Where you sit in the Great Lakes region, which was in the final ones that we saw, um, you're sitting sixth um, behind teams that may not make the tournament. John Carroll and Mountain Union are playing tonight, and there's thought that the loser of that might, might, not, might not make it. Granted, you could move ahead of them. But are you afraid right. that if you don't get the AQ out of this conference with such a good record but below 500 SOS that you could be sitting at home like a, a team like Staten Island did last year? Yeah, that's a great example. Great example, Dave. And uh, yeah, that could that could very well happen. I think there's some other teams in that boat around the country as well. And uh, it happens every year, uh, you know. And and again, you know, I I, I saw that. I mean, Staten Island I thought was really good. And uh, I think they had like 24 wins last year. And I, and I know that was brought up. You know, hey, they, they were really good. Uh, you're a little restricted, and sometimes with your scheduling. Yeah. And if you play a lot of league games, and if you're in a situation, depends where your school is located. That, you know, uh, it, it is not easy sometimes, and I know in that situation last year, a little perplexing. But I also understand it because I was on the committee, and, and I and I I get it. So, it's got to go play. You got to win. You know, I think most every league is considered a one bid league, with the exception of few. And, and you got to go win. And we got in as a C a couple years ago, mm-hmm. um, and but our league was spread out among different regions, and we had three teams ranked uh, in different regions. Roche and Adai were ranked uh, in different regions. Right when the MCC was we split up, right. Yeah, and that you know that shows you right there. That helps. We had seven games against ranked opponents, mm-hmm. and uh, we had Ithaca in there, so you can kind of look at it that way. And I thought we had a good ball club, and uh, and we got in. But it, it was one of those things where I think that really you know helped us. And and, and that's always a big debate within Division Three about that situation with ranked teams. Well, of course, now you're all in the Great Lakes region, which 
makes it a little bit more difficult as well. Um, do you use this, though, with the team? Is it one of those deals where you're like, guys, we got to go win. We can't be expecting in that large bid. This is a win-or-go-home scenario, and we need to go and take care of the AQ this weekend. Yeah, I mean, we. it's funny. You know, you don't – I think most coaches are like this. We never – I never even discuss rankings. I don't – we just don't talk about it. We just talk about what's at hand that day. Um, I, You know, guys are smart. You know, they yeah. figure it out. And, uh, you know, they, they know. And, and I think that um, – they just and we've got we've been there two years now and and they understand you know how good a Wooster is we played them last year certainly hope and and that whole environment up there you know our guys they, they get it you know seeing Wheaton and those teams and and uh, last year in the regional I mean, they get it so you know you don't have to say a lot they they they, they know. Uh, talking about your team, you said the six seniors on it, though not necessarily they may be the heart and soul and certainly leaders, but not in the stack columns necessarily. Uh, you're actually led by Zane Hackett. A junior, 15 and a half points a game, nearly seven rebounds a game. Then you have a senior in Nick Delisio, 14 and a half points a game, um, hands out nearly five assists a game. That's pretty impressive. Uh, Wes, is it Davick? Um, yeah. yeah. Sophomore, sophomore, 10 points a game and 10.9 rebounds a game. Then another senior in Keith Wallace at nine points a game, Maquan. Pulliam, a sophomore at eight and a half points a game, and then we have a steep drop off. So while you've got all those seniors, you got a lot of underclassmen who are stepping up on this on the stat sheet at least. We, we do. Zane's had a great year, uh, and he played behind two really good players. We had a, a, an All American and, and Russ Conley that was really good a couple of years ago. And Zane kind of waited his turn. West Ovick from Cleveland has been terrific. I think he's fourth in the nation in rebounding, and just one of those kids that has to find a way he finds a way to get the basketball. And, and Mel Quan played a lot for us last year on that team, uh, an NCAA team. So he played quite a bit. And we have a freshman that comes off the bench, Connor McLaughlin, has really done a nice job shooting the ball for us. So, uh, yeah, we do have six seniors, and we have, but with the younger guys, though, they, they have contributed, which, which we needed this year because we lost two very good players last year. You'll take on Hilbert um, coming up here in the uh, next game, um, title game, if I'm not mistaken, um, as they defeated my semifinals. Semifinals, I'm sorry, correct. Yep. Um, you'll take them on. Uh, they finished thirteen and five, four games behind you guys uh, this season. You swept them. Um, what are the keys to to getting past Hilbert and getting onto that championship game? Well, they're they're uh, they've been very good. They've had three. We played them in the finals last year. They won the regular season two years ago. Um, they've had three straight twenty one seasons. They're very athletic uh, and they have size. Um, their guards are very quick. Uh, they just very good. They're, they've got an older group that's used to winning games. We had a great game with them last Wednesday. We were really fortunate to win the game. We won by two. Yeah. Um, so I think our guys know we're going to have to. If we don't bring it, we're going to be in trouble. And <laughs> and uh, I think the other game is going to be really interesting too. Greensburg and Madai are really good, and and Madai swept them. But Greensburg is almost. I think they average eighty-two a game, and, and uh, you know Hilbert averages around eighty, and Madai really can score. They've been in the tournament and. So uh, really, uh, it should be an interesting weekend. Well, Coach, I appreciate you coming on the show. Um, certainly fascinating to watch PSU Baron. Are you a little surprised you didn't get ranked sooner uh, in the top 25? You guys were under the radar for a long time. Yeah, no, not really. You know, I, I you know, not really. You know, again, Dave, I, I understand the whole SOS thing, and, and we get it. Um, you know, we just go about our deal and try to do the best we can. And, uh, 
No, and I really appreciate everything you guys do for Division Three basketball. Uh, you know, uh, I was coaching before the internet, so once you guys got online, it made our job a lot easier. And it, I tell you what, and the student athletes really appreciate it, as do the coaches. So thank you very much for all you guys do. Well, thank you. I was going to give you the final word. You want to end on that or something else? No, we'll end on that. I appreciate it, though. Very thank good. You. Well, thank you, Coach. Take care of yourself. Good luck this weekend. Hopefully, we'll be talking about uh, the Lions coming up here uh, on Monday. Thank you. All right, take care. Coach Nyland, joining us here from Penn State Barron. Appreciate him taking the time to do so. We're going to take another break. When we come back, uh, we will talk a little bit women's basketball in upstate New York at St. Lawrence. Then we'll head all the way out to the West Coast and Walla Walla, Washington to talk men's basketball with Whitman. That's all coming up here on Hoopsville. If you have questions for us or our guests, tweet us at D3Hoops or hashtag Hoopsville. Email us, hoopsville at d3hoops.com or join us on Facebook at facebook.com slash Hoopsville. Don't forget the Hoopsville fundraising project is also in, underway. Uh, we could use any support that you are willing to give us. Um, and we have uh, certainly, certainly you, know, you know, a long, a long way, way to go. go. We've yeah, raised $3,500 $3, so, so far of the 5000 that was our goal. Last, last year, our goal was 10000 and raised well over 11000 So as you can probably do the math and figure out, we haven't done all that well this time around, though certainly nothing to shake a stick at at $3,500. You can get a perk if you donate $50. You can get a Hoopsville T-shirt. There's still 12 of those available to be claimed. Um, if you donate $100, you can get a Hoopsville T-shirt, and you can uh, get an interview uh, of a coach of your choosing on the show. Still six more to be claimed there, and there's one more championship to be claimed. That one will even get you on the show if you so choose. So please consider the Hoopsville campaign. Please help us out. We'll tweet out some more information on that. Just got a donation in the last 10 minutes from somebody. We certainly appreciate it. Um, when the campaign comes to a close, probably on Monday, Monday show at the end, we will name all those who donated, and we appreciate their support. But please, but please consider, consider have, helping, helping us out. out. We're going to take another break. When we come back, as we said, we'll head up to St. Lawrence and talk women's basketball there. And, of course, head out to Washington State and and uh, talk Whitman basketball and men's there as well. You're listening to Hoopsville, presented by D3Hoops.com and the National Association of Basketball Coaches. More Hoopsville right after this. Every season starts with hope and a dream to play for the ultimate title to become NCAA national champions. And you can experience it live at the 2015 NCAA Division III Men's Basketball Championship, March 20th and 21st in Salem, Virginia, hosted by the Old Dominion Athletic Conference and the City of Salem. Affordable tickets now available. Visit NCAA.com slash tickets today and make a date with champions. I did receive a non-athletic scholarship upon entering uh, school. I got the presidential scholarship, which was huge for me. I think there's more opportunities for academic scholarships in Division Three. I did receive academic scholarships. Just being involved on campus, being a leader, all those things combined kind of get me recognized. It's a great experience for me. College basketball lives in Kansas City at the College Basketball Experience at Sprint Center. The College Basketball Experience is the place to get your game on. It's not a museum, it's an experience you won't forget. Discover the history of the game in the National Collegiate Basketball Hall of Fame, featuring the Gallery of Honor, Mentor's Circle, and Honor Theater. Suit up in the latest CBE-logoed Nike gear at the CBE Hoop Shop. Elevate your game today and visit the house that college basketball built. 
Welcome back to Hoopsville, everybody. Hope you're enjoying our show here on Thursday, February 26th. Time is running out on the season, and when time is running out on the season, we tend to have longer shows. And obviously, we have a longer show as we have crossed the two-hour uh, timeline here on uh, on this one. And we are moving along still with two more guests to go, and we'll still answer your questions. We said we'd go two and a half. That means we'll probably go three hours. Don't forget, big show coming up. Show's coming up on Sunday and Monday as well. We'll talk more about that at the end of the show. If you have questions for us uh, or our guests, tweet us at D3Hoopsville. Use the hashtag Hoopsville. Email us, hoopsville at d3hoops.com. Join us on Facebook at facebook.com slash hoopsville. Also, don't forget about the Hoopsville fundraising page when we started the show. About 70% of the way to our goal. Our goal, of course, was half as much as we raised or as we had as a goal last year. So really, we're about a third of the way to what we raised last year. Anything you can do to help us cover Division Three better uh, and the way it deserves to be covered, please uh, do so. We certainly thank you. Uh, we have a few more days left in that campaign. The other importance about that goal, as we've mentioned all show, is the simple fact that we can um, keep more of our funds. If we if we hit the goal, our percentage of how much money is taken from our uh, what we raised is is cut in half. So, more information as we've tweeted it out throughout the day, throughout the show, and throughout the last few days as well. Um, so we've been talking a little bit of men's basketball, and we just got done talking in the South region. So let's slide up a little bit northeasterly, head up into upstate New York, talk and talk some women's basketball, and talk to a team who. Uh, uh, I think might be in an interesting situation here. Of course, St. Lawrence is 20 and 6 overall, finished the conference season 13 and 3. They have a conference championship game coming up uh, against Skidmore. Of course, in the final regional rankings that we see public, there are one more set that we won't see. Um, they are sitting precariously in seventh. So this might be a make or break scenario. So we figured we might as well bring in their coach to talk it over. So joining us on the Hoopsville Hotline. His coach Dan Royger from St. Lawrence. Coach, welcome to the show, sir. Thanks, Dave. Glad to be on. Well, I appreciate you taking the time. That's for sure. Let's talk about the nitty gritty first and foremost. Um, winning in the semifinals was certainly important to get to that championship game. Um, you beat Union seventy four sixty five. You'll now take on Skidmore, who you just lost to. That's been a bit of a theme in the last few shows. We're talking to teams in championship game scenarios or semifinals where they're at home, but they are now facing the team they literally just lost to uh, to close the regular season. I suspect that adds just a little bit more fire and a little bit more uh, uh, emphasis to the game for you and your team. Well, it's, it certainly does, and actually... The way our league schedule uh, happened this year, Dave, we played them in our 14th game in league and our 16th game, yeah. and they got us both times. Um, they beat us at home in overtime, and then they, I'm sorry, they beat us on the road um, in overtime, and then for the last game of the season, they beat us at home. Uh, it was a one-point game with, with a minute to go, but they beat us by three. Uh, two excellent battles for, for both games, and... Uh, you know, it, it does leave a little bit of uh, a sour taste in our mouth and a little bit of hunger to see if we can get them the third time. Yeah, three times in 18 days you two will face off. First time uh, on the 10th, as you point out, a loss on the road by two, then a loss at home on the 20th by three, and you'll take them on on the 28th coming up. Of course, uh, they were able to pull within two games of first. You guys are in first. You have a two-game cushion and caused a three-way tie behind you. 
Um, is it just one of those cases where they have your number in some sense? They, that the matchup just kind of goes in their favor um, no matter what you tried to do? Or is this stuff that you guys just weren't able to execute that you think you can get them on Saturday? Well, we always think we can get them, but I thought that they played, first of all, I thought they played very, very well in both games against us. They made a couple of key shots when they needed to, and um, they made a three in the first game with about a minute left that tied it up and got it to overtime. In the second game, um, one of their seniors made a great play at the end where she blocked a shot, and it was on the perimeter, so she went and got it and made a layup, and that gave them a lead with about you know a minute left. So, um, you know, I thought they, they played well and they earned it, but we have some other things that we hope we can do against them. They've had great game plans against us, but, uh, uh, you know, that's my job is to come up with an even better one the next time and then our players' job to execute it. But I think, you know, they're big. They're bigger than us. We lost um, last year's Rookie of the Year uh, in mid-January to mm-hmm. an ACL, and we became one of the smallest teams in our league. So we're, um, you know, we, we are quick and small. And they are big and tall, and they pounded it inside last game, and uh, and we came up one triple short is what it came up to, and um, you know we we got some things that we hope to neutralize them a little bit, but I know Darren has got some things that that they'll do different against us too. So it, it's a fun game, fun time of year, and it should be a great battle. Season uh, has had has certainly been interesting. You decided to take the rare trip out to Colorado Springs. Uh, to start the year, played the rare game in Division Three against Nebraska Wesleyan to yeah. start the season, then took on Colorado College and got wins in both. Of course, Nebraska Wesleyan, a three-point affair, 88-85. Came back home and got into some uh, New York State action, lost to Cortland, beat Plattsburgh, lost to Ithaca, beat Potsdam and, and Brockport. I think you're confused as to which conference you're in. Um, <laughs> but certainly some of that had to do with uh, the... the um, well, other factors. Uh, w and then, and then you got you took a, a nice break. You should point out a nice break between Potsdam and Brockport. You took uh, mm-hmm. twenty one days off there, got wins, and then you started conference play with a with a thud with RPI, but then got back on uh, the winning stretch. Then Amherst uh, came to town, and you lost there. Then you went on a long winning streak until you you, you faced Skidmore and, and and lost two of your last four. Right. How do you make up of that season and those results at, at this point as you as you close out the regular season? Well, you know, I think it's been a, a very good year for us. Of course, I'd like it better. Um, we played extremely well against Amherst. They're just a very good team. And um, we had one stretch where we were outscored 12-2 to in the rest of the game. Um, you know, they, they got us by three points, but we played 35 minutes of great basketball. That was actually, um, that started our, our big winning streak. And um, I think that, that gave our girls some motivation and some confidence that they could play against uh, one of the top ten teams in the country. Um, you know, there's a couple games. Cortland beat us in a, a good game. Ithaca beat us in a good game. You know, we've got six losses, but our average loss is by about five or six points. And so the 13-point game to Amherst was uh, the game that, that had the biggest deficit. And we're just a couple of plays away from being a 23-3 and team, but we're not. And, um, you know, so that's why I think it's a very good year. It's not been one of those great years where everything falls in your place, but, you know, we're really happy to have a 20-win season and to be playing in the championship for the fifth straight year. And really, you might be a couple plays away from being in a little bit better situation this weekend, 
being at the bottom of the regional ranking, let's be mm-hmm. let's be honest, you're probably looking at you've got to win the AQ or don't make the tournament scenario. A um, couple wins go the other way, you're probably higher up in the regional rankings and right. maybe safe to get in as an at-large. So it's interesting how a couple bounces of the ball have kind of changed the equation this weekend. Do you have the same sense that obviously every coach, and we've heard it all show, I want to win the AQ. I've heard it for I've right. heard it for weeks. I've heard it all show. I want to win the AQ. But I just mean in the sense of is is it your take that those couple of bounces have put you in a situation where you really do have to win the AQ? Yeah, absolutely. You know, three years ago, you and I talked, and we were twenty-one and five with four wins over ranked teams, and we didn't get in. And um, and this year we don't have that resume, so we're not getting in if we don't. Um, if we don't win our tournament, and and I told that to my team, you know, pretty much for the last six weeks, this has got to be our goal: is to, you know, number one, to get the top seed so we can play a home game if we get to the championship. And now we're there, but um, yeah, our season will end on Saturday if we don't win, and you know, Skidmore's will as well. Um, and, and in our region, you know, there's a couple of really good teams, but even teams like Ithaca, if they lose, they've got five losses. Um, and it's going to be tough to get in. There's there's a lot of really good teams out there for those at-large bids. It all depends, of course, on how the other games fall in the tournament. But, um, you know, if you want to get there, get yourself the AQ. That's the best way. How important is it that this game is going to be played in Canton, New York, which for anybody who's not aware is up near Potsdam, um, it is up in the northern reaches of upstate New York. I mean, it literally takes the term upstate New York to a whole nother level. Mm-hmm. Uh, you, Potsdam, Plattsburgh, of course, SUNY Canton, all up there. You're northeast of Watertown. For Skidmore, that's a minimum three-and-a-half-hour drive, depending on which route they take. It could take them as long as four-and-a-half, but they got to go through the uh, Adirondacks to make it work. How important is it that you're home and they're the ones who have to make that long jaunt to get to you guys? You know, I don't know. Um, they just beat us in making that yeah. same trip one week ago. So, And I know they're coming up on Friday, so they'll get the bus legs off. Um, you know, they'll sleep that off that night. And so I, I don't – honestly, I don't think it'll matter other than, you know, we're at home and we'll have the crowd behind us. And how much that is worth, I don't know. You know, a, a coach hope it's worth three or five points. Um, you hope that the, the baskets that you're shooting at, the lighting, the court, everything else is worth some points. But I think it comes down to the players that day and how they're going to perform. Well, thank you for the transition. Let's talk about the players on your team. You've got two seniors on this squad. Um, you only have one junior. You have a a nice collection of sophomores and freshmen outside of that. Of course, it's the seniors leading the way. Kara McDuffie, 14, nearly 14.5 points a game, 12.5 rebounds a game, which is stir- certainly pretty stellar. She even has uh, two assists a game, nearly two steals a game, um, shoots a, a decent 43% from the floor, and is even a threat from outside at 36%, and don't put her mm-hmm. on the free throw line at 78%. Uh, Allison Caddy uh, is your uh, other senior. She's second on the team at 11.5 points a game. Um, she's also a threat from outside, nearly identical numbers. They, she and McDuffie have shot the exact same amount from deep. Um, and we'll, get, we'll talk about the deep game in just a minute. Five, mm-hmm. five rebounds a game, three assists a game. Um, those two are your two seniors, and they're leading the way. 
Um, you've got a lot of younger class players, but it's definitely senior. While you don't have a lot of seniors, it's senior driven. Oh yeah, absolutely. You know, um, Allie Katie is is a young lady who is extremely athletic. She's long and lanky, and um, and she causes some havoc. She's an excellent defender. Uh, she she really can guard shooters um, well, and uh, she's a good shooter. She's good in the open floor. She runs the floor well. Um, she's she fills up the stat sheets as as you mentioned. There's lots of games where she'll have five six assists plus a dozen points plus seven or eight rebounds, and um, you know she has played better since we lost our our um, our last year's rookie of the year. She has stepped up her game, which we needed to to overcome that loss. Um, Kara McDuffie is one of the best players in the league, um, probably the best player in the league. That voting has been done, but it'll be announced next week. Um, I, I think she's one of the best players in the region and, and worthy of of All-American, at least consideration. That girl plays so hard, and she can do everything. She can shoot, she can pass, she can shoot from the perimeter, she can post up inside, and Dave, she's the best rebounder I've ever had. Hmm. Um Against Clarkson last Tuesday when we clinched the championship, she had 23 rebounds. Last night <laughs> against Union, she had 21 points and 20 rebounds. You know, and that just doesn't happen very often. And um, the Union SID actually said to our SID, said, you know, that's how good she is because I thought we did a pretty good job on her, and she ends up with 21 and 20. And um, she has a motor that just doesn't stop. She's got a great understanding of the game. She steps up in big times, and like Allie, since we lost Caroline, um, she has played extremely well and elevated her game. And, um, you know, that's what you need this time of year, some seniors to um, take over for you. So they've been big. Well, and what's amazing about Kara is 40% of her rebounds are on the offensive side. Nearly 40% of her rebounds are on the offensive end. Right. Which means second-chance opportunities left and right for your squad. Yep. Yep. (coughs) Excuse me. But what I she also doesn't, oh go ahead no go no go right ahead she just doesn't stop if you would see this girl play um, she just never stops moving if a girl boxes her out she won't settle for it she'll work to get around her she'll spin um, and she reads the ball extremely well off her own shot as well as other people's shots so um, she can really get to the board she's a, she's a tough cover. What what is also interesting you talk about the you know Caroline Dalton going down after 15 games. Um, of course, she was one of your biggest outside threats. At that point mm-hmm. in her 15 games, she pretty much shot it outside nearly 70 times. Um, but McDuffie shot at 74. Katie shot at 74 times. You have, if we count Dalton in the mix, you mm-hmm. have eight players who have shot the three-pointer at least 49 times this season. Um, that's a lot of players who, so you have a lot of threats from outside. Is that what makes this team kind of different? That not only do you have a lot of threats from outside, but your leading rebounder is also one of those threats. And if she's not out there, she's fighting for the rebounds to get more chances. Right. right. No, it's, it's definitely, you know, the personality of our team this year. That's a little, um, against what I have done in the past. And we've had some good shooters on the team, but we've always had an inside threat. And um, this year, we, we don't post up very much. We run on the perimeter most of the time. And, um, you know, we drive into the lane to draw coverage. And if they do cover, um, we are able to kick it and, and get those threes. But a big big part of our game is I have better, um, 
better kids who do a better job of attacking the rim, and so they're drawing more coverage in there. And um, a, a big part of that is we have a great freshman class. We have four kids who are getting significant playing time and playing major roles on our team. One of them last night was 8 for 12 from the field and 6 for 10 from the arc. And whenever a freshman does that, you know, they become a real matchup problem with other other teams. And uh, And there's, you know, most of the game we will have four players on the floor who can shoot threes. And a big part of the game, maybe half of it, we've got five. And that creates some problems. You know, on the other side, we're small, and so we have problems guarding other teams on the interior. Um, so it, it's a matchup problem for both teams, I guess. But uh, so far, we've come out in a, on a good end with everybody but Skidmore. <laughs> exactly. Skidmore appears to be your Achilles heel right now. Team is shooting 39% from the floor, 31% from beyond the arc, 75% from the free throw line, which is certainly where you picked up some extra points on teams. Uh, no surprise, you're out rebounding your opponents, you're out assisting your opponents, and you're outscoring your opponents by 11 a game, only allowing your opponents about 58 and a half points a game. So it certainly is happening on the offensive and defensive side. But now that you you know you, you bring up Skidmore, you help me transition yet again. Skidmore's big game Saturday. You played them twice in the last. As we point, by the time we you you face them Saturday, and really counting today, two times in the last in the last two weeks. What are the keys to getting past them, getting past the thoroughbreds, and making sure you can get in the NCAA tournament, especially uh, with talents like McDuffie and and Katie, who I'm sure are itching for that opportunity. Right. Well, you know, in in both game in the first game, uh, our point guard got the flu. And so did not play. So that was, uh, I was really happy that we took an overtime on the road without her. Um, the other day, we didn't shoot the ball as well as we can. You said we're shooting at 31% from the arc. Um, I thought we got some good looks and we needed just one more to go in. We were up by one with a minute left and had a, a wide open look and, um, and it didn't go, you know, and if that goes, it's a four point lead with a minute and it puts a lot of pressure and changes the whole complexion of the game. But, um, uh, you know, the one time we shot seven for 37 from the arc, that's the most threes my team has taken all year. The next time we were seven for 28, so we improved, but we didn't quite improve enough. But, um, you know, a, a good part of that is Skidmore. They um, they came out and closed out hard on our shooters, and I think we got a, a little bit frazzled on it. And, uh, you know, hopefully we can attack in a slightly different way this time so um, uh, to neutralize that defense a little bit. Uh, Dan Royger here um, from St. Lawrence. Big game coming up Saturday for a chance to get the NCAA tournament against Skidmore. Again, a game the team they have seen twice in the last uh, two weeks, and they will see him again uh, on Saturday. The rare three games in 18 days, and we're not talking about the NCAA tournament scenario. <laughs> um, Coach, overall, will it be disappointing if you don't make it? Yes. Um, it will, but, you know, I understand as a coach, I've been around long enough that uh, uh, Skidmore is a very capable team and and uh, and more than capable of beating us. They, they've done it twice, obviously. And, um, uh, you know, my goal is whenever we go out, whether that's uh, this next game or sometime in the tournament that we know we have given it our best, that we left everything on the court and, and the other team played better than us that day. So, 
from that aspect, you know, it's hard to say until the game materializes. All we can do is prepare um, ourselves and, and go out there and, and put a lot of effort and energy onto the, onto the floor and, and then let the chips fall where they may. Well, they say it's hard to beat a team three times in a season. I like saying it's hard to beat a good team three times in a season. We'll see if Skidmore, you're certainly hoping that's the case and hoping Skidmore can't <laughs> do bet. it. Uh, congratulations on what has certainly been a, a fun season for you guys. I wish you luck on Saturday. Hopefully we're talking about you on Monday. Uh, I always give the coach and guests the final word. Any final thoughts you'd like to share with those who may be tuning in? Well, you know, I just want to thank you, Dave, for all your support of uh, D3 Hoops. It's much appreciated. I'm on the site all the time, and I know there are a lot of fans who uh, who follow. And uh, for all your hard work, just want to say thanks. Well, thank you, Coach. I appreciate your kind words as well. Good luck on Saturday, and uh, I'm, well, I'm sure we'll be talking to you soon. All right. Thanks a lot, Dave. Absolutely. Dan Royger joining us from St. Lawrence. Again, team is 20-6 and six overall, finished conference 13-3. and three. Two of those three were to Skidmore. They want to avenge that loss coming up here on Saturday at home in the Liberty League Conference Championship game, a trip to the NCAA tournament on the line. When we come back, we'll head out to one of my favorite named towns in the country. We'll go from the upper reaches of New York State to the northwestern part of the country and Walla Walla, Washington. We'll talk Whitman men's basketball. Coming up here on Hoopsville. Hoopsville presented by D3Hoops.com, the National Association of Basketball Coaches, and, of course, viewers like you. We can also uh, tweet us at D3Hoopsville or hashtag Hoopsville. Email us, Hoopsville at D3Hoops.com. Join us on Facebook at Facebook.com slash Hoopsville. We'll be back with more Hoopsville right after this. We've got more schools than Division One, more fans than Division Two, and more upsets than March Madness. There's 800 programs with over 11,000 games leading to two national championships. And we've been covering it all for over a decade. From Eastern to Occidental, from Puget Sound to Piedmont, from Southwestern to the University of New England, and from Hope to Calvin. Nobody covers Division Three basketball like we do. We're D3Hoops.com at www.d3hoops.com. I used to never really talk. Ever. I was scared and shy. But it was hard to look at people's faces. Uh, I was afraid if I said something wrong, everyone would laugh at me. But then I started to play golf with Special Olympics. I made friends and won lots of gold medals. But I learned more than just playing golf. Special Olympics helped me to find my voice. And now everyone else is speechless. Welcome back to Hoopsville, everybody. Hope you're enjoying our supersized edition of this show on Thursday, February 26th. One guest left to go and then one more segment as we'll wrap up things and answer your questions at the end of the show if we haven't been doing so already on Twitter. You can ask us questions on Twitter at D3Hoopsville or hashtag Hoopsville. You can ask us questions via email, hoopsville at d3hoops.com. Heck, you can join us on Facebook to ask questions, facebook.com slash hoopsville. And if you're on the direct YouTube page, there is a comment section 
Uh, we can answer questions there, though I will admit that is the last place we're looking of the four options that we have. Um, there's just only so much we can do. Uh, again, Hoopsville presented by D3Hoops.com, the National Association of Basketball Coaches. And, of course, viewers like you have made donations to our Hoopsville fundraising project. When we started the show, 70% to our goal. Of course, that's only a third of how much we raised last year. Money is used to upgrade our, our, our broadcasting capabilities, travel, pay expenses, pay bills, everything we can do to keep doing this show the best way we can for you and to cover Division Three the way it deserves to be covered. Got just done talking uh, basketball up in the uh, northern reaches of New York State, and so now we'll go to the northwestern uh, reaches of the United States, at least the continental United States, and head to my favorite, one of my favorite named towns in Division Three, and that is Walla Walla, Washington. And joining us on the Hoopsville Hotline from Whitman is head coach Eric Bridgeland. Coach, welcome to Hoopsville, sir. I'm uh, representing the uh, friendliest city in America. Yes, I have noticed that list uh, as well. <laughs> I think you have to be friendly when you say you're from Walla Walla. I think it just automatically defaults itself, does it not? Uh, you're 100% correct. Yep. A uh, interesting season for you guys. You guys are on a tear right now, pretty hot to trot, as it were. Ten straight wins, including a victory over Whitworth. Uh, the season started with a with a, a pretty good game against St. Thomas in game number two of the season, in which you lost by 10, but then you came back and, and, and pretty much handled Rutgers-Newark. Then Chapman got you, and Chapman had a pretty good season until late. They've been stumbling a little bit. Uh, right. You do have an earlier loss in the season of Whitworth. You have an earlier loss in conference uh, to Pacific, um, which has got you second in conference, which means you will have the honors of playing Lewis and Clark at Whitworth coming up tomorrow night. Thus, while we're talking to you, how do you think the season's gone to this point? Uh, boy, it's been a merry-go-round. I'm sure um, East Coast can probably make that uh, that statement. Um, it seems like we're just a um, a different team than we were early. Uh, we lost uh, our uh, senior point guard, leader, gel guy, competitor to a broken foot about maybe two weeks ago. Mm. Um, but but uh, but like it's been a, a mix and match type of season, and our guys, uh, our, our culture uh, has just found a way to uh, crank out wins. You know, I'm so proud of them because uh, we faced a lot of adversity throughout the course of the year, and, and uh, they've really earned uh, second place. You won first, but boy, uh, they've really really fought through some stuff. So I'm happy to be associated with them. It's, uh, it has been, I mean, again, 10 straight wins, really 11 of your last 13. If you count the Whitworth game, then, then or not 11 of your last 13, I'm sorry, 12 of your last 13. Um, 14, 15, 16, 17, 18, so 16 of your last 18. Um, right. you know, it, it's been a good season. You've had some interesting opponents. You had a couple non-Division threes in Walla Walla and Warner right. Pacific in early December. You played Wells. Uh, and Marion, I'm telling you, it's fascinating how many teams have headed to the Northwest uh, <laughs> yeah. this year. It's been a a who's who list of just what uh, of teams right. who've. You guys haven't had to go far to find opponents, apparently. Um, well, uh, we have nice little guarantees that are um, <laughs> uh, coupled with Whitworth that are uh, making it uh, pretty lucrative for them to come out here. Let me guess. Um, the guarantee one of the guarantees is rain. <laughs> if I'm not mis- no, no, no. That's west of the mountains over here. That's Seattle, Tacoma. Portland, yeah. Us. Okay. Plenty of sunshine, beach, and the whole bit out here. Great. Oh, of course. The Pineapple Express, notwithstanding. Right. Um, right. But yeah, I mean, it, it's certainly interesting. But <clears throat> and I, and we'll get in a little bit into this in a bit. But the the disadvantage I have seen for you guys in Whitworth is I've never seen SOS numbers lower 
than I've seen right. in the Northwest Conference this time around. And interestingly right. enough, while you two guys are both ranked, I wouldn't say either of you are, are considered a, a pool C con, you know, solid contender right now. You both right. kind of maybe need to state your case and definitely win. That's how I'm sure Whitworth's looking at it, and, and uh, we are too. I mean, it's, um, I think our conference is, uh, is down a little bit. Um, we've done our best with our proximity to uh, play the best people, you know. Yeah. Um, that that uh, might be why we're uh, ranked higher in the region uh, than conference. And Whitworth's first in conference, we're higher in the region. But, you know, we, uh, we uh, sought out Chapman and, and, um, and like, like Whitworth, got Rutgers Newark out here and, and uh, always loved playing St. Thomas for the quality of program they are. And uh, so we're trying. We're trying. I think it's just um, the rest of our conference is down a little bit, so that's really hurt our SOS. We'll talk about the significance of the weekend in just a little bit, but certainly you are ranked, and of course what's also interesting is the WAC's not in that region anymore, so you could have been even further down. So to give everybody an idea of where you probably are in a normal year, and granted we'll get used to this new uh, thing on the men's side, it's always like this on the women's side. On the flip side, of course, the women in the Northwest Conference are almost the uh, the envy of many as you got three teams and arguably if Whitman women pull off an upset or two they could be four teams in the NCAA right. tournament what's it right. like that dynamic where you've got some uh, almost the women kind of starting to raise the mantle of the Northwest when Whitworth and many others on the men's side had carried it for a few years yeah, you know, uh, it's the weirdest thing. I mean, uh, men's basketball in the Northwest Conference is uh, the the only sport that's um, not been to the Final Four mm-hmm. since um, 1982. Interesting. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and, and and the only thing I can think about it is, you know, um, Linfield's been a football monster, and uh, there's been a few teams in our conference that have been like good at baseball. But, yeah. Like, we usually have to travel, even when uh, Whitworth was number one in the country, mm-hmm. whatever, um, um, seven or eight years ago. They had to travel, even though they were one number one in the country because of the geographical implications of the NCAA tournament, blah, blah, blah. So I think maybe that's part of it, not being able to play at home, you know? Yeah, no, um, certainly that, that plays a big role. Uh, of course, the women have to play through each other, which is unfortunate right. to some extent. When I look at this team, um, you know, first off, to remind everybody, you know this conference pretty darn well. You coached at Puget Sound, uh, and now you've moved on to Whitman. It's, it, it, not recently, certainly. You've been at right. Whitman for several years now. Uh, but when I look at this team, you've, you've got, th- what, three seniors on this squad. Um, you've got a lot of juniors. You've got a lot of sophomores. I read, I think, on the boards, maybe you guys are one year early. Like, you, you've come to the table just slightly ahead of way, maybe where the expectations were. Are you of the same mindset, or is this kind of where you thought you'd be? Um, I don't think so at all. Um, it may look it I may look like that from the outside. Um, I mean, this is the fifth year in a row that we finished in second place in the conference, and um, and that's uh, all the credit goes to Whitworth uh, and all the coaches that they've had there. Is they've got a stranglehold on the Northwest Conference and men's basketball, and um, until someone goes in there, like they've won the tournament qualifier. Um, eight straight years, you know, not yeah. just been there, but won it, you know, so, and that goes through two different coaches. So their culture up there in all our sports really is just a one of winning at a high level. And so for us, uh, we feel like uh, we win in recruiting and we teach to the, you know, uh, through the coaching and uh, our, our young guys are good. Uh, had we not had, we had another transfer, division one transfer that broke his hand in the preseason, or we feel like maybe we'd be even a little bit better than we are. So um, uh, we're just tired of being in second, to be quite honest. Um, back to this team, uh, again, you know, those just a few seniors, as it were, and then a lot of juniors and a lot of underclassmen. 
Um, right. You're, of course, led by a senior. And Matt, and I, I hope I say his last name correctly, Monier? Monier. Monier. Like Mou and Ye. Yeah, yep. Monier. Okay. okay. Yep. Uh, 13 and a half points a game. Really, I shouldn't say he's the leader because Jackson uh, Claw. Clo? Clough. Clough, see? <laughs> yeah. Clough. I'm also just give up now, right? Uh, he's got. You're doing okay. You're doing about average right now. Yeah. Well, I, I, at least it's average. Uh, he's also got 13.4 points a game. I like Christian McDonald just for the record. It's an easy name to say. Yeah. 12.3 yep. points a game, and Evan Martin at 10.7. Of course, shouldn't uh, eliminate Philip Ch- uh, Cherku. Yep. Ah, I knew that one. 8.8 <laughs> points a game. Um, but again, Monier is your senior. Um, Clough is, I'm double checking, so I have that junior. one. Junior, yep. thank you. Um, yep. and then of course, McDonald, uh, and McDaniel. McDonald is a sophomore, all right, freshman technically, eligibility wise. Yeah. Um, yep. and uh, who is the other guy I'm looking for? Uh, Martin. I'm sorry, Martin and Chirku, right? Chirku is I'm your junior, and, and yep. Martin's a junior. So you got a senior, but then the rest of that bulk is being taken up by underclassmen. Right. Uh, um, the only thing that I would add is, is um, Dominic Lippi, who is uh, mm. one of our seniors, does um, all those things uh, like uh, the ultimate gel guy that you don't find in the box score, and each team has one or two of them. Clay Callahan is the other senior that will miss. He just has a broken foot. but He played 25 minutes a game, you know. Yeah. Those gel guys, and uh, leadership-wise, uh, are very, very tough to replace. But, no, I, I mean, I don't feel like we're going anywhere. I feel like each year we're going to be in the hunt for it. Um, that tournament's awful sweet. NCAA tournament, so we're trying to get back there, you know. But um, uh, but that's not we're not waiting for next year or the year after that. Well, I was going to say now you've got this opportunity. You're going to take on Lewis and Clark in the first game coming up on Friday. Of course, Lewis and Clark finished uh, uh, four games behind you in conference action because really this was a Whitworth Whitman race uh, at the top of the conference. Right. Um, but Lewis and Clark is behind you guys. Uh, you played them last. Um, and on the 31st of January, beat them pretty handily, nearly uh, 29 points. Um, and you played them back at the beginning of January and beat them by 15. Um, right. How do you – so here's the trick. you got a team you've pretty much handled both times, and you've got your eye certainly on trying to win a conference title and beat Whitworth. So how do you keep your team, though, focused on the fact that they got to get it past LNC before they take on the other wit? I don't even know quite where to begin. I mean, um, kind of like uh... – Big picture, uh, when we got here as a staff uh, um, like seven years ago, we didn't have a winning season in 20 years. Mm-hmm. And we had losing streaks to Whitworth of uh, 41 games and to Lewis and Clark of 26. Um, and so we just won at Lewis and Clark this year for the first time in 25 years. You know? uh, so it, uh, it's a nightmare, to be quite honest. That's the big picture. And then you get them to where they're, they're like Michigan State. They're like out-rebounding people by 13 a game. So to um, play them a third time, we know how good they are. Uh, and they've gone on the road and beaten some people, too. And, and uh, they're just physical and hit people and ugly and nasty. And, and uh, we're just Whitman guys, you know. Um, so we're going to have to do our best against them. Um, but they're a great, great team. And uh, we're, we're, uh, we're up for the challenge, but we're also a little bit worried about them. Um, so, you, I mean, the, the key is we'll get back to this conversation about needing to win. Um, so you need to win against Lewis and Clark. So you get a chance to win against Whitworth. Because, again, it looks like you guys probably can't afford to gamble on a Pool C bid. But is that right. something you talk about with the team? Do you, do, do you, And I get different answers on this, and that's why I ask. Is it a conversation you turn to the team? We haven't brought it up one time. We haven't brought it up one time. So it's, we got to go win the conference. 
Well, yeah, I mean, uh, yeah, and I think if you talk to most of the coaches, it's, you know, uh, who you're playing next in, in uh, that practice, that day, that shoot-around, the film session, everything's about what's in front of you. We've been focusing on that. Um, and, like, like uh, quite honestly, we haven't, we haven't brought it up with them one time. Um, so, I mean, Whitworth's got to play Willamette, too, don't forget. And um, Willamette's played them uh, twice this season tough, just like Wilson Clark's played us tough. And, and uh, so that's no given. When we beat Lewis and Clark here, it, it was a close game with um, eight or nine left, and then we pulled away. And the same thing there with five or six minutes. So we're anticipating uh, a really tough game and, and um, having to uh, beat them the whole way, you know. Talking to Eric Bridgeland here, head coach from Whitman. Uh, the team is 20-5 and five overall. 14-2 and two is how they finished in the Northwest Conference. They are sitting, I think it was, uh, as I stall quickly here, fourth or something in the uh, West Regional Rankings as I slowly scroll down my Thank screen. Right, there we go, fourth. Right. There we go. Yeah, Whitworth was fifth. <laughs> uh, of course, right behind Univista and Dubuque and Bethel are sitting behind you guys. Of course, St. Thomas and St. Olaf sitting right. up ahead. Um how hmm, how do you tackle how do you tackle Lewis and Clark? I mean, what are the keys that you guys need to get through them despite what the outcomes were earlier this season? Uh, they're they're like the Division three version of Michigan State. Uh, they're they out rebound people by thirteen a game, and, and we we hold our own on the glass, and, but uh, we press and trap and run. So it's going to be our speed and quickness and uh, a really turnover margin versus their rebounding margin. Um, so we have to make it an up-and-down game and uh, keep that thing from uh, not getting into the paint, and uh, they have to jam it into the paint and then go get it. So, it's, I mean, it's two different styles of play. You know, they walk it up and, and, uh, and uh, jam inside, and we run and shoot the three and, and uh, get you off the dribble. So uh, the number one thing is to keep them off the glass. Um, uh, maybe that's the only thing, uh, the most important thing, you know, because <laughs> if we don't do that, it's all over anyway. Well, keeping them from getting second chance opportunities and getting second chance opportunities, certainly a, right. an important part of the game. If, because I'm not going to get a chance to talk to you, if you're playing Whitworth for the title game, what are the keys going to be in that one? Uh you know, and it, like I was not saying, we're playing Lewis and Clark, and, and, uh, and uh, yeah, you know, you know how that goes, you know. Um, I know. Well, like, uh, Amit's tough too, you know. So like both teams, and I'm sure what we're taking sure. them seriously too, like we are. Um, well, we're really good, and it's more more than anything else. I mean, they've had such a stranglehold, even in the AQ games, where they've not only made it there for eight straight years, they've won it for eight straight years. And so, uh, for our guys, it's the um, belief that we can do it there on the road, um, and then they're. Uh, their guard play is good. Uh, they have two sophomores, Penny Love and uh, Christian Jolini, who I think are both uh, really, really good players. Um, they have great gel guys. Uh, they have they have good bigs. Uh, Matt Logie's one heck of a coach. Uh, and then they have the traditional winning, you know. So, I mean, um, pick your poison. We were able to uh, play hard and really, really guard them here at home. And, and uh, we shot it well. You know how that goes. When you shoot it well, you look good. Yeah, um, that's, so, that's you know, the truth. That there's no uh, okay. This is the A, B, and C way to beat Whitworth, you know. Yeah. Um, uh, but we, we're going to try to take care of Lewis and Clark, and, and then uh, go in there and um, play our hearts out, uh, you know, if we get that lucky on Saturday. Last season, we got to see you at the D3Hoops.com Classic in Las Vegas. Any of those types of trips on your schedule for next year? Boy, who do we? Um, gee, I can't remember. I think we're going to um, Northern Cal where we played Chapman this time, and then we're um, down in Southern Cal in the uh, California Lutherans tournament where I think they have Illinois Wesleyan or uh, another monster coming out. 
Um, so uh, we absolutely loved our time uh, out out in Vegas when we played Stevens Point in an OT game, and, and uh, we had another good game out there. So that's probably uh, the year after next. Um, but uh, we'll be out there for sure, trying to get into um, Stevenson's tournament. You know, yeah. the other the other D3 hoops one. Oh, I, I know. I was that was going to be my subtle <laughs> little play over to when are you going to show up on the East Coast in the I'll Baltimore area? Yeah, you know, it uh, everything revolves around recruiting, and like for us. Uh, you know, that's like a number one. So we have uh, so many kids from the West Coast and from California sure. that uh, they want to play in front of their families, you know. So for us, you know, uh, maybe a couple years away, we'll take a, uh, take a trip out to the East. But if we can take two to California and place that, that's not bad for us, you know. By the way, looking at your roster, you obviously a lot of West Coast. But you got some of the best West Coast uh, uh, names of towns on your roster. Walla Walla is where you're located, but we got the Encinos. <laughs> We got the Alamitas, La Quintas. The uh, of course you got to ride Australia. Got to appreciate that one. You got an Izmir, Turkey. Of course you like to be international, um, but you also got the uh, Lake Oswego, Oregon. The Calabasas. Of course everyone knows Calabasas, uh, California. Uh, Corvallis, Oregon. I wonder what's in Corvallis. Uh, right. you, you got you got a who's who of, of hometowns in there as well. Well, that's obviously part of our recruiting strategy is to be as interesting <laughs> as possible. Uh, <laughs> you don't miss a thing. That was pretty good. I didn't even put that together. Uh, but, uh, yeah, no, I mean, uh, for us, well, when you start and uh, you live in Walla Walla and uh, your college is in Walla Walla, you uh, obviously look for people with great home hometown names. I mean, why wouldn't you, right? Yeah, absolutely. No, I, I like it. I like it. It makes it more interesting <laughs> to talk about. Of course, the West Coast is full of great names because the East Coast bo- got them all boring and stuff. So. Oh, I'm sure. Hey, I appreciate you coming on the show, Coach. Uh, obviously, a big game coming up on Friday against Lewis and Clark, and then hopefully the championship game on Saturday. Uh, as always, we give the coach and guests the final word. Any final thoughts you want to share with those who may be tuning in? Uh, I just want to say, and um, I want to thank you. You guys do a fantastic job, uh, and there's so many kids at our level that maybe don't get the exposure that they do at higher levels. They're here for the academic um, uh the the uh, best degrees, the academic uh, teaching, and um, you guys give them the most love and make them feel so special. Um, I just love everything you guys do, and um, please, please, please keep it going because we appreciate it. Well, thank you, Coach. I appreciate the kind words. We certainly love doing it, uh, pretty much for those student athletes as well. Uh, yeah, good luck. Stuff. As I said, good luck this weekend. We'll look forward to chatting with you down the road. Great, thanks, Dave. Appreciate no problem. It. Eric Bridgeland, join us from Whitman again. Team plays Lewis and Clark. On uh, Friday, they then take on the winner of Willamette versus Whitman on Saturday. Those games all taking place uh, at Whitworth, and we'll certainly look forward to seeing how they um, play out. Uh, not all of them, actually. I think Whitman's playing at home. I should have checked on that. Anyway, doesn't matter. They still got to win, and Whitworth's the number one team in the conference. You're listening to Hoops Hope, presented by D3Hoops.com, the National Association of Basketball Coaches. Of course, viewers like you, we got our last segment of the show. We'll answer your questions. So if you've got questions, tweet us at D3Hoopsville, hashtag Hoopsville, email us Hoopsville at D3Hoops.com. Join us on Facebook at Facebook.com slash Hoopsville. It's been scrolling at the bottom. We'll tweet it out as well. Again, get a chance to ask us questions uh, as we head into the last few days of the regular season, and we'll uh, let you know what the schedule is ahead for Sunday and Monday here on Hoopsville and d3hoops.com. We'll be back with more Hoopsville right after this. Every season starts with hope and a dream to play for the ultimate title to become NCAA national champions. And you can experience it live at the 2015 NCAA Division III Men's Basketball Championship. 
March 20th and 21st in Salem, Virginia. Hosted by the Old Dominion Athletic Conference and the City of Salem. Affordable tickets now available. Visit NCAA.com slash tickets today and make a date with champions. We've got more schools than Division One, more fans than Division Two, and more upsets than March Madness. There's 800 programs with over 11,000 games leading to two national championships. And we've been covering it all for over a decade. From Eastern to Occidental, from Puget Sound to Piedmont, from Southwestern to the University of New England, and from Hope to Calvin. Nobody covers Division Three basketball like we do. We're D3Hoops.com at www.d3hoops.com. Division Three allows you to give yourself to other things. Having that free time allows me to pursue the things that I want to pursue. Division Three athletics affords students the opportunity to, you know, engage in the other interests in their campus and in their lives outside of that sport. It allows you to just be able to do everything you want to do. How wouldn't change it for the world. Hey, welcome back to Hoopsville, everybody. Hope you're enjoying our supersized edition show as we close in on the end of three hours of Hoopsville here this evening on Thursday, February 26th. We're going to do one last segment here, answering any questions that you may have. So tweet us at D3Hoops or hashtag Hoopsville. Email us, hoopsville at d3hoops.com. Join us on Facebook at facebook.com slash hoopsville. Postplay32, uh, postplay32. Said he's glad he's listening to the show. Better understand the selection process for the tournament. Felt West get, gets left out, but many do. I asked uh, what he meant. He says, I don't understand how Chapman moves from number three to number seven in the West region, and they beat Whitman. Skyak is a really good conference. Here's the problem. Skyak is not as good as you think it is in the terms of numbers. They might be good amongst themselves, but they don't schedule well outside of that. In the bottom of the conference, as much as Caltech has improved, isn't helping matters. The case in point with that is Caltech's SOS numbers, not Caltech's, I apologize, Chapman's SOS numbers, not so good. Um, let's see here. Chapman has a 487. That's poor. If you're at 500, you're below average. Uh, Chapman's a 487. That's poor. It may go up a little bit. Not sure if it goes over 500. Cal Lutheran's a 486. Claremont Mud Scripps is a 483. Let's look at some other Sky Axe that I might have in front of me. Whittier, 464. Pomona Pitzer, 495. Um, Occidental, 464. I haven't mentioned one above 500 because the teams also don't play that many teams outside of the, or they, they have some holes in their Division Three SOS because they don't play all Division Three opponents or they don't play very good ones or they don't play enough of good ones, I should say. So a 487 SOS is killing Chapman. It's killing the Skyak. Skyak is a one-bid league. If they want to get more competitive, they may have to spend some money to travel or get teams to them. Now, that happens on occasion, but they got to do more. they got to do more. If Chapman wins the Skyak tournament, who do they think they'll have a shot at host a first-round game if Whitman loses conference tourney? No. Whitman will still host that, um, in my opinion, because Whitman's SOS is a 5-13 a difference of nearly .030. Let's just say Whitman is in that they finished 20-5, and five, losing in the Skyac Championship game. Chapman is technically only going to be 18-4. and four. 
because not all their games count in Division Three. So 18 and four versus 20 and five and a difference of nearly .03 in the SOS. That game's at Whitman. Um, Chapman has got to play more Division Three opponents. It's plain and simple. Uh, we'll look at them real quick. Um, calling up Chapman on my on my screen here. Just bear with me. Uh, Chapman is 21 and four overall. They have one, two, three, four, five games that don't count. West Coast Baptist doesn't count. St. Catherine doesn't count. Bristol doesn't count. La Sierra playing them twice doesn't count either way. Uh, played Santa Cruz on the 28th at Santa Cruz. It's not a great game to have. Santa Cruz does not help your SOS very much. Yes, they beat Whitman. That's the only thing they've got going for them. They're 1-0 in results versus regionally ranked opponents. Um, outside of that, not much else to talk about there. Oberlin doesn't help you. St. Joseph's doesn't help you. Great that you got them to come to your place, but it's also a home game, which doesn't help you with a multiplier. A multiplier on the SOS in men's basketball is 1.25 for an away game, 0.75 for a home game. So take a team's record. Let's say a team is 10 and 0. Now that team is on the, on the numbers, 7.5 and 0. Think about that for a second. If you had played them on the road, they'd be 11.2 or uh, 11, uh, 12.5 and 0. So great, you're staying in SoCal, you're getting the teams to come in, that's lovely, but you're not getting the advantage because you're playing your games at home. Then you don't play enough games against Division Three opponents, you've got five games that don't even count towards your resume, and if they did go to secondary criteria with those five games would have come into play, nobody else has played them. So they're still irrelevant. Chapman has got to schedule better. That's the long and the short of it. Uh, I hope you understand what that means, post player. I mean, I liked Chapman. I had been rank I had been ranking them for a while, but they are, they are four and four in their last. I'm sorry, now five and four in their last nine. They've got to win the automatic bid. So does so does the rest of the Sky Act. Any other questions for us? Tweet us at D3Hoops or hashtag Hoopsville. Email us hoopsville at d3hoops.com. Join us on Facebook at facebook.com slash hoopsville. We will try and answer your questions as we wrap up the show here. Why is there an away multiplier for SOS for men's basketball again? Basically, it came down to the fact that uh, men's basketball, the NABC and such, were getting a little bit frustrated. I'm, I'm maybe putting words in their mouths. I might not be exactly correct on this. But they were getting a little bit frustrated with some teams who basically would stay at home the entire out-of-conference season and just get teams to come to them. So they would take advantage of being at home to rack up um, significant win-loss records, especially out of conference. The only time they would go out of conference or on the road would be in conference action or an occasional uh, out of conference game. Uh, I think there was a, a, a message that was delivered the NABC that the, enough of enough of that. It wasn't fair to everybody that you could sit at home, maybe run three tournaments uh, and not do anything and be rewarded for it, especially then getting to host the NCAA tournament at home on top of that. So you don't do anything. You don't leave. And on the men's basketball side, I think a lot of coaches got frustrated with that, especially considering they want to play so-and-so and so-and-so -so refuses to leave their home. So now they have to make the expense to go play that team. And I think the, the frustration boiled to a point of saying, you know, enough's enough. 
So we're going to put a multiplier in here to start forcing teams to realize that being at home isn't necessarily an advantage. So as a result, you have a multiplier. Um, I have toyed with the idea. I'm, I'm wondering if maybe sometimes my worry in some sense is I'm wondering if, if, if the multiplier is hurting a little bit in conference action. I, I've toyed with some ideas. I can't do the math. I've asked my friend to Matt to do our or our friend Matt to do the to the math for us, and I'm certainly not actually looking for an answer anytime soon. In case he's listening to the show, Matt, I'm not looking for you to answer right now or or anytime in the near future. But something to look at is two things. One, let's take away the home dis multiplier. You know the the 0.75 for home games. Period. Let's just make that a 1.0. And the only thus the only time you get a multiplier is if you do go on the road. So you don't you don't get necessarily hurt too much for being at home, but you're still rewarded for going on the road. I was just curious how that might change SOS numbers. The other one I was looking at is if we don't do that, then in conference, the uh, the multiplier is either 1.0 for home games or the multiplier is null and void. Period. But th that wouldn't make a difference if you got rid of the multiplier in conference. Then your multiplier is only going on non-conference. I don't think that's going to make a difference. But the other thing I wanted to look at was what about just conference 1.0? Um, yeah, no pressure, Matt. Again, I'm not looking. <laughs> he is listening to the show, Matt. I'm not looking for an answer anytime in the near future. But again, I just I want kind of want to see what it does to the SOS numbers and if maybe we get a better sense of who some teams are. It's not going to solve a, uh, the the challenge of the Northeast where there's, you know, the NESCAC only plays technically one round, and so you can go play a bunch of other teams. And, you know, some teams do go on the road there and, and or don't go on the road and play at home. I, I don't think it solves that. But it may give us a better understanding. I don't know. I, I'm curious what his numbers would reveal and, and how that translates into who are the good teams out there. Um, I say change the multiplier to 1.15. Yeah, that's not a bad idea either. We could certainly change it to 1.15. Uh, on the flip side of that, um, I think they've already changed it once, if I'm not mistaken. Wasn't it 1.5 at one point? Um, here's the thing. I don't want to take away the advantage of going on the road. Or not the advantage, the, the reward for being on the road. Um, now, the irony is St. Mary's men's basketball outside of of conference action didn't play one home game. Um, of course, I'll get to them in a minute, but I, I don't want to necessarily take away from, you know, going on the road and having that advantage. On the flip side of that, I, I don't want to discount the home so much. Now, does it have to be equal at 1.25 and equal at 0 0.75 so that technically makes a, an equal number, if that makes any sense, you know, would average out to one? I don't know. That's where the math guys can step in and maybe have a little bit of a, of a say there. But I, I think it's going to be tweaked. Do you have a favorite basketball number? Center Basketball would like to send you an honorary jersey. Wow. Wow. Sorry. A little taken aback by that email. I also don't know if I should have read it on the air. Uh, my favorite number is 23. Uh, many reasons for that. Um, if you guys don't mind a little story, I grew up in Chicago near North side of, of city, by the way, uh, David Jones, if you're hearing this, uh, email me. So I know you're hearing it. Otherwise I know to email you back. Uh, my favorite number is 23. I grew up in the near North side of Chicago. 
uh, until I was just about 11 years old when my parents moved us to Maine. Being on the near north side of Chicago, I was a mile from Wrigley Field, grew up a diehard Cubs fan. I cannot wait for this season, which means I'm going to be disappointed. <laughs> uh, and I grew up a Ryan Sandberg fan. And then I became a Michael Jordan fan. My birthday is also on the 23rd. Um... I think I had a 23 early in my career of some sport, and I had a good season, so it started kind of sticking with me. And then my junior year in high school when I had um, one of the more enjoyable baseball seasons of my life, um, my locker com two of my locker combinations, one for the mailbox at the school, one for my gym locker, both had 23 in the number. It just became my number. So my number is 23. I wore it in college when I wasn't a goalie and I was in the field. I, I wore 23. Uh, I have always worn 23. Um, and so, uh, David Jones, if you're listening to the show, um, please email me to tell me if you heard that story. Otherwise I will email you back. But, um, I hope if I was not, uh, that's very kind, it's very kind. Um, I appreciate that. Thank you. I will proudly, if, if nobody notices, we do have the Lauren Hill, Ohio Wesleyan. See here. Number 22. Be honest with you. We got to frame that. And I will get it framed as soon as we can. We will get that framed. It is signed by Lauren. That hangs in our back uh, center. I appreciate what you're doing. And I will hang that jersey that you send us as well. Very nice touching. I appreciate that. We'll look out to see if we see an email from, from them. Uh, I got another question. Where did it go on me here? Uh, with St. Mary's College getting that large bid after the loss to Christopher Newport. I don't think so, Jay. Um, let's start with a simple fact that they're buried in the regional rankings. Uh, and by that, I mean, they're, they're behind, uh, Hopkins is one, Dickinson two, Catholic three, Franklin Marshall four, Scranton five, St. Mary's six, and they, and their only result this week's a loss. I don't think that helps them. They're also only eight. Now they're going to be 18 and five in the division, 20 and five overall, uh, 18 and five doesn't help them. Uh, and quickly looking at their SOS numbers before today's game, uh, their SOS was weak. Uh, ooh, it was a 482. Actually, I'm going to retract my statement, Jay, and say it's going to be close. They're not getting in. We talked about this a couple shows ago. We're going to start with a benchmark of anybody with a below 667 winning percentage and a below 500 SOS or not. And let me rephrase that. If anybody's got a below 667 winning percentage or your SOS is below 500, count yourself out. If you get in great, but let's start with that benchmark. So 667 or uh, uh, below 667, below 500. St. Mary's is below 500. That game against Christopher Newport will not increase that SOS enough to get above 500. No. St. Mary's is out for the second year in a row. Um, chances NYU makes a tournament. Probably a no again. The problem with NYU isn't their SOS, though it's not terrific. Uh, NYU's SOS is a 547. Actually, it's much better than I was giving them credit for. They have one more game against Brandeis, which will bring that down maybe a little bit, but not a ton. Um, the regional rankings for them have them fifth behind St. John Fisher, Plattsburgh State, Hobart, and Skidmore. Hobart's already lost, so maybe there's a chance they can move ahead of Hobart. No guarantees. So let's say that just makes them fourth. Skidmore, let's argue, loses. So maybe it moves them to third, but I don't see an at-large coming out of here. 
if NYU can move up the regional rankings and Plattsburgh and St. John Fisher and even Skidmore, you know, let's argue Skidmore too, gets the automatic bids and NYU can jump Hobart, and I don't have Hobart's SOS. Hold on. 5'11". Okay, so argument's sake, Hobart's a 5'11", and this number will change, by the way. 5'11", 18 and 7 in in division three and two of the verses. NYU's a 547, 16 and 8, 3 and 2. Let's say they win against Brandeis, so they're 17 and 8. There's a chance NYU could jump Hobart and be the first to the table in the East. They've got a very nice SOS and 16 and 8 is right at 667. So they would be what would but they would be 17 and 8. So they're above the NYU's got a chance. It's not great. But they need to make sure there's no other upsets. St. John Fisher's got to get the AQ. Plattsburgh's got to get the AQ. Skidmore's got the AQ. And then they need to move ahead of Hobart, which you could argue they would with a, a significant difference in the SOS. So certainly there's a chance there that NYU could get in. I think they might get to the table in that scenario. They may be at the table first in the East region. And then at least they're in the conversation and that SOS will stick out. So there's a good chance. NYU's got a chance, but we can't have any more upsets in the East region. Think about that. No more upsets in the East region. St. John Fisher, Plattsburgh, and Skidmore all have to win. All have to win for that to line up for NYU to get to the table and be part of the conversation. Um, just a thought. So, okay, got that one? Um, by the way, the Hoopsville hashtag just got blown up by a Hoopsville tournament, if you're kind of cu- curious. Um, story time with Dave McHugh. Phil, you're funny. Yeah, a little page out of Dan Patrick there, sir. So, yeah, there's a chance, Scott. There's a chance NYU. I, I'm a little nervous. They got to win. If they lose to Brandeis, this is over. It's over. Because then they're going to drop below the 667 winning percentage, and there's not going to be an argument for them to get in. Remember, Carthage last year uh, had a really good SOS. Uh, I think they were 16-9 and with a really good SOS, but they were below 667. They were at least um, a 640 uh, winning percentage, uh, maybe uh, a 615 winning percentage. That didn't get them in. So if NYU loses to Brandeis, they're done. If they win, Plattsburgh wins, um, Skidmore wins, and, and St. John Fisher wins, NYU could get in. Absolutely. Uh, there's n- there's no doubt. And and believe it or not, here's a funny thing. Let's say they got to the table at the same time, and just for argument's sake, Sh- uh, uh, Wash U or Chicago got in. Well, now NYU's at the table at the same time as Wash U or Chicago, and NYU is 1-1 one one against those two teams. So it looks kind of you know it looks a little better. Um, so yeah, no, I think there's a chance. There's a chance, Scott. If you have any questions, email us hoopsville at d3hoops.com. Join us on Facebook at facebook.com/hoopsville. Tweet us at d3hoopsville or hashtag hoopsville. Or uh, heck, you could even chat in the YouTube page, but we monitor that a little bit less. 
Uh, there's a few of you watching. We'll go on the air here for a few more minutes if you've got any questions. Let's go uh, quickly as you uh, maybe formulate some questions. Uh, Matt, if you've got questions for me, I mean, you're our numbers guru, but if you've got questions for me, fire them at me, Matt. Um, let's remind you, Sunday, Sunday coming up, we will have um, a special hoop show starting at 6 o'clock and going to whenever. Not too late. I do need to get some sleep for Monday, but... Uh, we will do a little bit of a bracketology. We're not Pat and I will not necessarily bracket the the uh, teams. What we will do live on the air is select the at large. Okay, um, hold on a second. I'm going to show you kind of a cool little trick here that we've got set up. I've I've actually got multiple cameras, and we've been adding cameras uh, to this studio that we just haven't utilized yet. Um, the program we use also now has a really cool option for us. Uh, forgive me as I'm just waiting for it to kick in here. Um, anyway, uh, it's, it's, let's see, it's not, it's not kicking in just yet. Hold on. We're working on it. We'll get it there, I'm sure. Um, it's uh, just an option for us. Uh, so what I'm trying to, it's not, it doesn't like me tonight. Uh, we'll see if it up oh, there it goes. Here we go. So, um, so what we have is we have uh, multiple cameras in the studio. Uh, we'll Skype with Pat, but the advantage is it's a little messy in here. But I'm gonna bring up a camera for you. This is yeah, via, this is my, via iPad. my iPad, so you kind of so can, can see our, our rudimentary, our rudimentary setup, here. setup here. We got uh, we got a uh, monitor one, monitor one, monitor monitor two, monitor two, monitor three. three. First got the, First microphone. Got the microphone. Pictures and Pictures some other and some stuff other around stuff here. I'm around trying, here. I'm whoa, we'll break up. Break up. Trying, so right. we can, so set, we can up set up everything and maybe give you an, an, an idea of what of we're what looking we're at, looking at uh, in a game, in a game or, you know, as we, you know, as we select teams. So that's what we will do um, during the broadcast. We will select the men's and women's teams we think will get at large bids. Um, and then maybe talk a little bit about bracketing, but we won't fully bracket the, uh, the system. But we will give you an idea of who we think will be in and out. It was very popular uh, when we did it on the women's show that we bracketed. Uh, we did that over like three hours between like midnight and 3.30 in the morning or something. A lot of people you watch. But we'll also intersperse some uh, interviews we think are important to have in the show too. So um, something to keep in mind. Uh, it'll start at 6 o'clock on Sunday. Then on Monday, uh, by the way, big announcement on Sunday. You got to tune into Hoopsville. Big announcement on Sunday's show. Also, the fundraiser will run out either that night or the next night. I got to go double check the exact dates. Um, so the fundraiser will be wrapping up, but a huge announcement uh, on Sunday's show. But then um, Monday, I think we're going to go on the air somewhere around three o'clock. We got to get back to you on that. But the brackets will be announced throughout the day. We'll be covering that, of course, um, and then we'll have our Hoopsville show, which will include the um, the uh, committee chairs. For both men and women, we'll finalize those details as well. Um, oh, thank you, uh, Nate. Uh, we have an echo when we go to the iPad. I know why we do that. So let me, uh, because I'm bringing in audio there. So I will, uh, I, I, we hadn't tested that yet. And so we can easily drop the audio. So from now on, when we use that, we will not have audio. Thanks for pointing that out to me, Nate. I appreciate that. Um, you believe I ended at 4.30 Monday morning last year with women's brackets. We might have. And then I think I was back up at like 10 
uh, to do work all day, and I'll admit it wasn't the best Monday we've done. Do the committee really take into account who made the conference finals and who lost earlier in their tournaments? Matt, I don't think they necessarily look at who made the conference finals and who lost in the earlier tournaments, except that the overall records, results versus regionally ranked opponents, um, and um, um, other data changes dramatically if if a team has made the conference finals because they played at least two games, maybe more, two or three games to be there. So I don't think they necessarily take into account, oh, uh, they don't have an increase there. But if they look at a team that's, say, 22 and 6, is that right now? Let's try 22 and and 4. That's 26 games. Let's change this up. Let's say they look at a team who's 18 and 6, or 18 and 7. That's 25. I'm doing some bad math here. Hold on. Let's back this up. 19 and 6. They look at a team who's 19 and 6. They see 25 games outside of the UAA. Let's they know they play 25 games. And then they look at a team who is 23 and 4 and they realize they played 27 games. Something's going to change the data there and you're going to get a big difference. So, I don't think they look at okay, they made the conference tournament, they didn't. They might look at okay, that result versus that regionally ranked opponent was in the conference championship game. When they get to that data, they might look at that. Um, but they also might look at who, if it was on the road or at home and, and whatnot. Um, another thing to keep in mind, they also start from scratch. So every time the regional committees do their rankings, they literally take, you know, if I'm my top 25, okay, imagine taking the top 25, Taking it off your sh- so you got your top twenty-five, and I'll I'll tend to look at it and go, well, I had a reason I had Augustana fifth, I had a reason I had Babson third, I had a reason I had Hopkins fifteenth. Um, here's their results. Here's some other SOS numbers, and on my other sheets, I've got some other notations. Now I'm discussing to myself: Do I move them up? Do I move them down? How do I move them with teams around them? The regional committees do this. All right, let's look at the data and start at number one. It's blank. They, they, they don't they don't have this reference. They start blank. And so that will feed into some decisions, if that makes any sense. They're not looking to move things around. They're literally starting over. Um, if you've got any questions for us, uh, your men's at-large show starts at 6 p.m. Eastern. Yes, post player uh, 2 or 32. It starts the men's and women's. I don't know which order we're doing it just yet um but we're starting at six eastern and we'll do one gender and then the other gender i don't know which order pat and i haven't solved those equations yet we will but yes yeah, 6 p.m eastern time 6 p.m eastern time for the show uh and let's just argue we'll go till 10 or 11 for argument's sake so we'll go on for four or five hours we'll intermix, intermix some interviews um we'll probably get interviews with some surprise aqs mainly um, I know I will be at Stevenson on Saturday. I might pick up a couple interviews there just to allow Pat and I to get a break. Um, that's how we'll make those work, if that makes any sense. Um, by the way, just so you, if you're curious, I'll see some Centennial women's basketball action tomorrow, and I'll see Commonwealth Conference men's and women's basketball action on Saturday. Um, not sure. I think David Jones may have not been watching the show. That's fine. We will email him later. Um, again, any questions for us, tweet us at D3Hoopsville, hashtag Hoopsville, email us Hoopsville at D3Hoops.com. Join us on Facebook at Facebook.com slash Hoopsville. Matt, I hope I answered your question. 
Um, if you've got any questions for us, fire them our way. Uh, I'll give you a couple more minutes before we'll wrap this up um, and send her on home, as it were. Um, again, we'll be on the air um, 6 o'clock Eastern time on Sunday evening. We'll be on the air like 3 or some o'clock on Monday afternoon. However, uh, stay tuned for that. Um, stay up via Twitter and Facebook and all that jazz. Uh, we will certainly give you that information when we have it. If you got any questions, again, Hoopsville at d3hoops.com is your email address. Hashtag Hoopsville or at Hoopsville on your Twitter account. By the way, we should talk. I forgot. Stevens Point lost tonight. So did St. Mary's losing tonight and Buena Vista lost tonight. St. Mary's did not pop a bubble only because Whitewater could still win the uh, AQ, and so that won't change a bubble scenario. However, if Oshkosh beats Whitewater in the conference championship game on Saturday, that will pop a bubble. Buena Vista may pop a bubble. I think they get to the table. If they get to the table and are picked, that's a bubble pop loss in the semifinals. St. Mary's lost tonight to Christopher Newport. They're not getting in. That's not a bubble pop. So three big uh, uh, losses tonight. One maybe, one no, and one potential depending on the outcome on Saturday. Your thoughts on the end of the era of Messiah women's basketball in their 15th straight NCAA tournament appearances. Yeah, talk about a run. Uh, Was it 15 straight, I believe, Phil, uh, for Messiah women's basketball? And that ends... um, Certainly, um, certainly surprising. Well, you know, maybe not surprising. I didn't have any high hopes for Messiah women this year. I didn't think they were going to be that good a, a squad just because of how much they lost. I may be a little surprised at how much um, the underclassmen, I guess you're just so used to a reload at Messiah, and it didn't happen. So maybe that's a little surprise on my end. Uh, certainly on a heck of a run, 15 years. Uh, tip of the hat, to say the least. Uh, Mount Union survives as John Carroll's last possession results in a ball being lost out of bounds. Mount Union at Marietta. John Carroll may have popped their own bubble there. Matt, give me an idea. I think um, I think that's going to be tough for, for them to maybe get into the tournament now. Um, who knows? Could be wrong, but it might be tough. Um, we'll double-check that. So Mount Union... Beats John Carroll in overtime, so it'll be Mount Union. I, I think a lot of people went into that game thinking that semifinal would be Mount Union versus John Carroll. That semifinal would basically be um, for an at-large bid. And so John Carroll may have just stubbed their own foot there. I'm um, looking at John Carroll's numbers real quick. Give me a moment to call up the Great Lakes. There they are. Mount Union at a 532. Yeah, John Carroll with a 517. Now John Carroll is going to be 20 and 6, 3 and 3 versus regionally ranked opponents. Can be close. Uh, I'm not loving John Carroll's numbers. If you compare them to Buena Vista, Buena Vista is a uh, 527 and now 18 and 7. It's tough. I think both those teams have stuff that's going to. John Carroll may be at the table. John Carroll and Buena Vista might be at the table together. <laughs> That'll make it. Fascinating to say the least. Probably third at the table in the Great Lakes. Yeah, I agree with you, Matt. Probably third at the table. I think they get to the table. I think they get to the table because uh, NCAC team comes off, OAC team comes off. Um, so John Carroll would be the third um, NC- or OAC team to try and get in. Um, they, they may have a chance at it. Uh, 
Uh, they'll get to the table at least. You, you know, NYU could be at the table with, with well, they're going to be have better criteria in my opinion than John Carroll. They're going to have better criteria than Buena Vista, and that's where this comes down. That's why now NYU, again, if there's no upsets in the East region, could be at the table and get in. Who knows? Uh, prediction anal- uh Hold on. Uh, 19, 1999 to 2014 was their uh, two was their run two runner up uh, championship appearances. Yep. Yeah, pretty impressive at Messiah Women's Basketball, Phil. But I guess all good things have to come to an end at some point, right? I think I'm more impressed that Lebanon Valley played so well this year uh, in the Commonwealth, considering coaching change and what I heard was a little bit of turmoil inside. But nonetheless, prediction analyst for Albright Stevenson Women's Basketball Commonwealth Championship game. Albright, I, if I remember, gave Stevenson some uh, quality games uh, this season. Give me a moment to call him up. Um, the thing I think might be going again that that. Uh, that Albright is not going to be ready for is going to be a Stevenson team and crowd that is revved up. I have I have not seen that women's basketball team that fired up this season. They were fired up against Lebanon Valley, playing with maybe a little bit too much emotion, but they played well. Uh, actually, they beat Albright by 18 back on February 4th, did Stevenson, uh, and they beat them by two on the road. Um, I, I think Stevenson women win it. By the way, they're in anyway, um, but I think they win it. I don't. And by the way, the only way the Commonwealth women get a second bid is if Albright pulls off the upset. But I don't think it happens. Uh, I think here's the thing. I, if you don't mind a soapbox, I don't understand the Player of the Year in the Commonwealth either. She's a good player. Albright had a good season. She's certain the reasons they had a good season. But the best player in the Commonwealth was not at Albright. I'm pretty sure you can figure out what I'm talking about, Phil, but the best player. And now maybe I'm too close, and maybe I am. But I saw a lot of Commonwealth basketball this season, and I'll, I'll take another look at it tomorrow or Saturday. But I think the best player was not at Albright. I mean, she's good. She's good. I just didn't think of the best in the conference. Uh, John Carroll, probably third. Yes, all good things have to come to an end for Albright. It will have to see how Harris plays after picking up ankle knock yesterday. Yeah. Well, she also was going up against Sarah Tarbert. She's going to be going up against another couple of good players. Stevenson shoots well. I think there's a lot of factors in play there beyond that. Uh, I got a message here. Check it out. Mount Union 89. Yep, 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 yep. Um... By the way, uh, that John Carroll Mount Union scenario, John Carroll needed to win that more than Mount Union did because John Carroll's SOS was so much lower than Mount Union's. I know a lot of people have been talking Mount Union off. I thought Mount Union was safer than John Carroll based on SOS. Um, so I think, and it doesn't change the bubbles, by the way. There's no bubble pop there. No pop, No bubble pop at all. Um, really, we've only had a potential bubble pop in Buena Vista. If, if we don't have a ton of upsets and Buena Vista has a chance to get in, that will take a bid from somebody else. St. Mary's will not get in. Uh, and again, Stevens Point is not a bubble pop unless Oshkosh now goes and upsets Whitewater, who won easily tonight. By the way, apparently Oshkosh, I think men and women both came from 10-point second-half deficits to win, which is pretty darn impressive. Oshkosh women are pretty darn good. 
We talked to Superior's head coach earlier about the fact that this could be a uh, one-bid league on the women's side in the WIAC. How about that? Any questions, tweet us at D3Hoopsville or hashtag Hoopsville. Email us, Hoopsville at D3Hoops.com. Join us on Facebook, facebook.com slash Hoopsville. See if we got another email. I do not see one, so um, we'll hold it off. We'll just wait it out. I uh, got a couple more questions here. Good stuff. <laughs> Thank you, Dean. Um, going to wrap it up here shortly if we don't have any other questions. At hoops at D3Hoopsville on your Twitter, hashtag Hoopsville. Also, email us, Hoopsville at D3Hoops.com. Join us on Facebook at Facebook.com slash Hoopsville. I am crazy enough to keep doing shows or keep this show on the air if you've got questions. Um, I'm already probably 20 minutes past where I thought it was going to be. So if you got questions, please send it to us. Send them to us. We certainly appreciate it. Um, otherwise, we're going to wrap up again. Sunday will be on the air at 6 o'clock Eastern time. Do a little bit of a at-large selection show. Um, that's what we'll call it. We we always debate about what we're going to call it. We're going to we'll call it a selection, the Hoopsville Selection Show. Now nah, maybe not. That doesn't sound right. Pat and I will come up with another name. Usually it's Selection Sunday and Matchup Monday, but uh, we'll we'll maybe change that around. But specials on Sunday starting at six, and of course another uh, another um, show on Monday after the brackets have come out. No questions, but I really enjoyed the show tonight. Thank you for your hard work. Well, thank you, Jason. Appreciate you tuning in. Uh, let everybody else know about it, and let us let everybody else know about our fundraiser. Um, we help pay the bills, as it were, thanks to um, the, the, your help last year. Uh, you, you coaches and others were tremendous in helping us raise a good chunk of money. A lot of it went to paying bills, replacing equipment, etc. Um, and uh, it, it, the money didn't go as far as we thought it did. We we're running another one. We were trying to be a little bit more coy about it, just not be as in your face about it. And it turned out it wasn't a good tack because we didn't get very far with it. Um, we are a few days left in the and we're only 70% of the way to the goal. If we don't hit our goal, we, we don't get to keep as much of our money because you know, we pay like 9 or 10% in fees and whatnot. If we hit our goal and go past our goal, then we uh, take less fees um, so we get to keep more of our money. Um, uh, right now we're a third at the most, maybe a quarter of the way to what we raised last year. So anything you can do to help us, we certainly appreciate. And again, we travel, um, we have equipment costs, we have upgrades that we have made this year. Um, our back set is part of that as well. So anything you can do to help us, we certainly appreciate. Uh, I think Oshkosh women will lose again to Eau Claire, who've already been beating them twice. I think Stevens Point will beat Superior tomorrow in the Wyatt comments. <clears throat> um, no, I don't think I don't think Stevens Point beats, beats Superior. <coughs> Um, but I could see Eau Claire beating Oshkosh. I agree with that. Um, but I don't know. I think Superior gets the championship game. I think it might be Superior Eau Claire. Um, but Oshkosh, here's the thing, though. Oshkosh, the only reason I'm going against Oshkosh is because they've been struggling so much recently and had to come from behind. Um, and that's the only reason on the women's side I might go against Oshkosh. But I'm not going to go against Superior right now. I think they're better than Stevens Point. I think that showed this season. Uh, thanks for the question, Mark. Um, Phil asks us, were you shocked by Alvernia's win over Lycoming in men's basketball Commonwealth action? No, I was not. When I saw Alvernia was going to be playing Lycoming, we talked about it 
<coughs> um, I talked about it with some people at the games on Wednesday. We pretty much said that the last team Lycoming wanted to see was Alvernia. I am not in any way, shape, and form surprised Alvernia won that. I am a little surprised they started the game as well as they did. Uh, they really came roaring out of the gates. Um, they literally came roaring out of the gates. Um, and so, um, no, I'm not in any way, shape, or form surprised uh, that Alvernia won that game. Um, I'm more impressed that Stevenson finally woke up against Hood, finally played a good basketball game, um, and won that one. So that that was more surprising to me because it just wasn't – they hadn't been playing that well, to be honest with you. Going to wrap this up, though. Our, our, our viewer count has been increasing. I, I don't want to wrap up the show if more and more people are tuning in here. Uh, if you got any questions for us, tweet us at D3Hoopsville or use the hashtag Hoopsville. Email us, Hoopsville at D3Hoops.com. Join us on Facebook at Facebook.com slash Hoopsville. If you happen to be directly on our YouTube page or is a comment section, you're welcome to ask a question there. I do have that up and can pay attention to that if necessary. So feel free. Uh, no pool bees. No, there are no pool bees this year. Um, and no pool bees unless uh, something changes in the conferences, uh, basically. Um, so no, at this point, uh, absolutely no, no pool bees and we won't get any, you know, the, the one way we'll get pool bees is when we have a bunch of teams who are in transition to division three, but I do not believe, I think they're all heading to conferences. I don't think, um, I don't think there's anybody coming in as a, as a independent. So in that case, uh, no. Uh, the only way we're going to get any Pool B bids is if a conference forms um, that needs a couple years to become officially an AQ. So, yep, no Pool Bs, and we won't have any Pool Bs conceivably for a while. Um, they're below the threshold, and I don't see them getting near the threshold anytime soon. Again, tweet us at D3Hoopsville, hashtag Hoopsville, email us Hoopsville at D3Hoops.com. It's all scrolling at the bottom of your screen. Happy to answer your questions. Trying to keep up uh, with uh, men's and basketball scores. It's hard to do. By the way, reminder, we talked about at the top of the show. Already the coach's carousel is turning. Remember, Mass Boston, uh, Charlie Titus had announced back in November he was retiring at the end of the season. But um, yesterday uh, it was announced that Manchester's Brad Nadborn had stepped down as head coach. He'll stay on as a teacher uh, at the university through the end of this of this year. Not sure what happens after that. Jim Walker at Moravian announced after 35 years as, as their head coach and 36 as, as a collegiate head coach, he will be retiring. He told me that they will probably he'll probably get something else in coaching in some capacity in college, doing something with college basketball, the, the, but did not indicate he'd be coaching as a head coach, did not indicate he would be a um, a uh in Division Three, I'm not quite sure. He was busy; and didn't want to take too much of his time, so I didn't. I didn't pick his brain too much on that. But then today, Otterbein's uh, head coach uh, Adrian has left. John Adrian, um, no announcement that we saw. But if you go to their website, uh, it's now TBA under head coach, <laughs> and I don't know who TBA is or his background. Um, sounds like it might not be having any more questions. Last chance. Tweet us at D3Hoopsville or hashtag Hoopsville. Email us, Hoopsville at D3Hoops.com or Facebook us, Facebook.com slash Hoopsville. Last chance for questions, everybody. Last chance before we wrap this up. 
Um, again, Sunday night, 6 o'clock Eastern time, we will do a, a selection show in the sense that a mock selection show. So maybe the Hoopsville mock selection show is what we'll call it. Um, Pat Coleman and I will mockingly select the teams. No, I'm kidding. Uh, we will select who we think will make the, the uh, teams as at-large bids um, and both the men's and women's and talk about brackets, but we won't bracket them in reality. Then on Sunday, or on Monday, we'll be back on the air roughly 3 or so o'clock. We still have to figure out exactly um, what's going on, but we'll figure it out. Um, yes. Um, we will, uh, bro- we will uh, broadcast Monday roughly about 3 o'clock, um, give or take. Give us time. Uh, but again, big announcement on Sunday's show as well. we'll we will have some interviews mixed in there as well they want you to get some sleep sir phil you're right they probably do i appreciate that sentiment and i will probably do that uh, appreciate you all tuning into the show uh again sunday six o'clock big announcement during that show we will also select uh teams so it'll be kind of a bracketology show without having brackets we're not going to really bracket things and we'll come up with a better name uh in the meantime stay uh in tune with us and whatever is going on at d3 hoops so of course at d3 hoops as well Use the at D3H hashtag. And, of course, uh, throughout your uh, basketball uh, enjoyment, we, we encourage you. That way the entire division can see what's going on. Uh, also, don't forget uh, at Hoopsville for anything related to us. We certainly will appreciate that. Um, we will also uh, email hoopsville at D3hoops.com. And, of course, join us Facebook, facebook.com slash hoopsville. You know, we should probably thank our guests who are so kind to come on the show tonight. From Muhlenberg, Ron Rose from uh, University of Wisconsin. Superior, Dan Mulhern. From Illinois Wesleyan, Ron Rose from Penn State Barron. Um, don't you hate it when you just blank on a name? Dan uh, Nyland. From Center, Greg Mason. Um, from St. Lawrence. Oh, see, this is what happens. You start losing your mind. Um, huh, I'm going to have to look it up. I shouldn't have done, I shouldn't have done names when I'm tired. It, it never works. Um, it just makes me look like an idiot. From St. Lawrence, the women's basketball coach. I knew it was a bunch of Dans and stuff today. Dan Royger and then from Whitman, Eric Bridgeland. I want to thank everybody for uh, joining me on the show. I want to thank their SIDs for helping us as well. Oh, we got a quick question here before we get off the air. Uh, Dave, can you talk a little bit how the first round buy scenario works in those two pods? Alberta's fan here. I heard from people at the game tonight that might be the only shot at hosting a game because there's le- le- there's less teams. Just want to know how that works. Thanks for all you do. Chris, I'm assuming you're going to listen, so I w- are listening. So Chris, if you don't mind, I will answer that here. Um, do me a favor, email me if you heard the response. If you did not, I will know you weren't hearing it. Um, here's the deal. I don't think Albertus is in play for a first round buy. Let's start there. Uh, first round buys go in two different fashions. They're either used for teams who are top in their regions, um, we've seen them given to a whitewater. I may not be getting the teams right, but in the regional areas, we've seen uh, Whitewaters or St. Thomas team like teams get them. We've seen an Amherst team get them before. Uh, actually, Amherst got one last year. 
However, they're also used geographically when they have an issue with not enough teams within 500 miles or they've got some issues. We've seen buys in the Texas area when three Texas teams have made the tournament. So two Texas teams will play each other and then they will travel to the third Texas team. We've seen them out on the West Coast when either two Skyaks or two Northwest Conference teams have made it and one from the other conference and they've needed to use them up. So let's say it's uh, let's just say it's a uh, uh, two Northwest teams and a Skyak team make it. Uh, they will have one of those Northwest and Skyak teams play, and then the bye goes to the other Northwest team. It reduces the amount of flights and such. Um, and then we saw it last year with Emory, who was certainly highly ranked in the in the uh, South region, and they had a little bit of a, a, a kerfuffle uh, with Center, and I don't remember who the other team was, and so they gave Emory the bye to try and break that up. We can go into the conversation some other time about how I don't think that was the right decision for the bracket. Um, yes, I, I, I see. What, oh, hey, thank you, Matt. That's a good point. I didn't think of that. Okay, Chris, let me back up a second here. Matt points out that he thinks Albertus could host the Thursday game, then travel to the bye host. Thank you. Thank you. All right, uh, Matt. So, Chris, let's back this up a little bit. So those are how they're used. They're either used for a high seed or they're used for geographic reasons. Could Albertus get a bye and, ho- and 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 skip the first round and host Saturday? No. Could they be the bye team on Thursday so that they can host, or not the bye team, but the, the team who plays on Thursday so they can host and then hit the road Saturday to play the bye team? Sure. But I don't think that's what you want. You're, this is going to sound surprising. As much as that gets you a home game, I think it sets you up for a very difficult second-round game. So if I'm an Albertus fan, I don't know if I'm rooting for a bye on Thursday. Does that make sense? I, I don't know if I want that. I don't. What I should say is I don't know if I want the bye game hosted at home on Thursday. Yes, you get a home game. Great. Okay. But I don't know if that's a good thing because you're that that equates to you're going to face off against Babson. Okay, Babson. <laughs> I can't think of who else in in the in the Northeast Quadrant and I and I mean that outside of of uh, I mean New England, I mean East Atlantic and Mid-Atlantic. Maybe Hopkins or or Randolph Macon. Ooh, maybe they give Randolph Macon the buy. Ooh, there's a thought. Maybe they give Randolph Macon the buy. Albertus Magnus could get to Randolph Macon. I think. Double checking the mileage, folks. Hold on a second. The only problem is I don't think you want is Albertus Magnus that to be your your litmus test. I think. If you're arguing you're that good, I know. Hey, let's go beat them. But don't you want to be respected for for what you've done that you get a better matchup? Yeah, Albertus can easily get to Randolph Macon. It's 402 miles. But that's an interesting scenario. So, yes, Chris, you could be at home on Thursday um, and then play the game on Saturday. That is the by opponent. Babson, Randolph Macon are the two that would come to mind who would be in that position all all things being equal as they are now. But I don't know if you're if you're Albertus Magnus, you want that. I really don't. That's just my opinion. I, I don't think you want that. Um 
Chris, email me if you heard the answer. If not, I will email you back. Thanks, Matt, for the assist on that, by the way. I'm pointing to my Twitter page, if anyone's curious. Or my tweet deck. If anyone's curious what I see while I'm doing the game, doing my broadcast, that's my right-hand monitor on my point of view. So I've got all of my tweets going on here. we got anything that Pat happens to tweet at D3Hoops, or maybe me. Uh, anybody who mentions D3Hoops here. Uh, this is anybody, anything I have done, just to keep track of if I may have forgotten something. This is any mentions that anybody mentions me. Matt mentioning the Albertus is right here. Uh, this is all the hashtag D3H. This is all the hashtag Hoopsville. By the way, did you not know I do the YD3 show? And that is located right there. And by the way, I have lots of other pages. <laughs> lots of other pages on my tweet deck. So anyway, uh, that's if you're wondering if I ever point over there. Uh, that's kind of what I'm referring to. Uh, looks like we'll wrap up the show with that. Uh, thank you for the question, Chris. Terrific question. Oh, let me just double check. I didn't get it. Nope, I don't have another one there. And double check YouTube. We don't have any there. We do not. So that'll do it. Uh, thank you again. We'll be on the air at 6 o'clock Eastern time on Sunday. Wow, we're closing in on the close of four hours here. Nuts. I should get some sleep. This is a crazy week ahead. So Sunday, 6 o'clock Eastern time with our selection show. And then on Monday, we'll be on the air with the reactions to the brackets. We'll also have um, the men's and, and women's basketball committee chairs on the show as well. By the way, we will um, tweet out links to their interviews that they conducted with us back in January um, in case you want to get a refresher on kind of what their thinking is um, with this whole process. Again, thank everybody at Muhlenberg, Superior, uh, Illinois Wesleyan, Penn State, Barron Center, St. Lawrence, and Whitman, including the sports information directors and, of course, our guests who came on the show. want to thank them for your, their time. want to thank you for participating. We just got a couple more contributions to the Hoopsville fundraiser, which we certainly appreciate. Um, thank you very much for that. Uh, very, very, uh, very uh, appreciative, uh, to say the least. Well, we're closing on that goal, sl goal slowly but surely. Um, we got about three days left in that, and we got about three days left in the D3 season. Uh, you might get the, the hang there. Um, we'll begin back on the air Sunday, 6 o'clock Eastern time, with plenty to talk about who's in and who's probably out of the NCAA Division Three tournaments. Uh, Want to also thank uh, City of Salem for their proud for their support of this show. We certainly appreciate that. One last question for show. Or just here. How many bids do you think the Commonwealth men's basketball get? One. One. Nobody getting an at-large bid to the Commonwealth this year. Championship is for the bid. Ain't nobody else getting in. Nobody's got the criteria, Phil. Just The conference is competitive. They just weren't that good. Uh, criteria wise, and I would, I wouldn't, I'm, I don't think there's a problem with that. I don't think two teams deserve to come out of that conference this season. If Stevenson had been world beaters like they should have been, you could argue uh, maybe others would have been looked better too, but no, it's a one bid league, Phil. Thanks for tuning in, everybody. Thanks so much for uh, joining us. We'll see you back here Sunday evening. In the meantime, don't forget to follow us on Twitter at D3Hoopsville or hashtag Hoopsville. Email us, Hoopsville at D3Hoops.com or join us on Facebook at Facebook.com slash Hoopsville. If you missed any of the Hoopsville, this video will be available uh, pretty much right after we close the show out. It's available now. You can act like a DVR. Go back and check out some of the show. We'll also make the podcast available within uh, probably 15 or so minutes, depending on how long it takes 
to uh, upload and process to our SoundCloud. Of course, SoundCloud podcast also available on iTunes. So check it out there. You're going to get all of those via the link um, on our show page. We'll just pop it up once it is there. Thanks, everybody, for tuning in. We'll see you back here on Sunday. It's a wonderful time of the season. Win or go home is the theme pretty much for everybody, especially on the men's side. So make sure you tune in and and watch some good games. If you can't get to them, there are a lot of good video streams out there. Go out there and check them out and watch some games and enjoy D3H. Uh, it is it is, a, it is it is clearly a division we all love and we certainly appreciate it. Um, and thank you for joining us as well. We're going to sign off. Thank you so much. Take care of yourselves. We'll see you back here on Sunday. Don't forget to fire us questions if you need. In the meantime, enjoy the end of the basketball regular season. The best part of the season is certainly coming up, but it's really good right now. Go out there and enjoy it. Thank you for the contributions as well. We want to cover Division Three like it deserves to be covered, and with your help, we can do so. Good night, everybody.